Ladies and gentlemen, jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, coming to you live from our radio and, although you can't tell, the television studios here in northwest Pennsylvania. Uh, something is going on here with the interface um, on YouTube Live. We are not, we are not pushing, or we are pushing out video. <laughs> it's just not receiving video. So, uh, Eric, the tech, are they, can they hear us on YouTube? Only, uh, only Global Star Radio Network, uh, reliable as ever, of course, and Blog Talk Radio. That's Global Star Radio and Blog Talk Radio. And, uh, uh, we will upload this to YouTube later, apparently. So, if you're looking for us on YouTube, we can't talk to you. Because, again, we're not. Everything is five by five on our end. Everything is. We're, we're streaming out uh, in, uh, in 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 massive quantities of, of video, but you can't see us. So, kind of like if a tree falls in the forest and you're not, and no one's there, it doesn't make a sound. Of course, of course it does. But as we are making noise here at the studio, I want to welcome everyone. Uh, I want to welcome everyone listening on our, uh, reliable platforms. I want to thank Global Star Satellite Radio, Global Star Radio. Thank you so much for carrying our program. I want to thank BTR. Thank you for carrying our program. We got a great show lined up for you today and, uh, intend to deliver on that. You know, hell in Hamburg, the G20 summit, of course. What's going on there? Protests. You've got the mayor of New York City, the mayor of New York City, skipping the graduation ceremony of his police officers to attend the protests against the G20 in Hamburg, Germany. Go figure, right? Of course, would you expect anything less? And you've got the continued decline the machinations of the mainstream media, the breakup of, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, um, I, I just don't know if the ratings of the CNN situation can survive. I, I, you know, I, I think they'll survive, but I, I just don't know. Um, this is a pretty fatal blow to CNN. That Young 29 year old, 27 year old, uh, uh, producer or, uh, uh that, that young man who sent that message, wrote that message. Uh, I, I can just, I can just see the people in the ivory towers saying, what are you doing? Or if it was sanctioned, that's even worse or better for the new media. But we are the new media. We rise above that, of course, deliver you the news. Yep, uh, the G20 
of course, taking, uh, uh, just, just taking some pretty nasty Joe, pretty nasty, uh, protests over in in Hamburg, well, Germany. You know, we've seen protests like this uh, here in the United States we have. before the show. We were talking about the uh, time that the G20 summit was held in Pittsburgh in 2009 where sound cannons were deployed and they really rolled out the militarized police to where they were chasing down college students on uh, the campus of, of Penn or of Pitt and, okay, and yep, uh, yep. we were talking Pittsburgh. about that, yeah, today. And people who were walking from, you know, their class to dorms were literally being billy clubbed and beaten and arrested by the police officers. And there is a video all over YouTube of that. And there was a great documentary, I believe, Police State Four, that Alex Jones, did, Alex Jones did, that uh, actually Steve Quills in also, but it documented so much of what happened right. at the G20 summit there in Pittsburgh, and. Every time you have, uh, you know, these summits, whether they're the G7, the G20 seems to get more attention. You see these, these protesters and just like always, like clockwork, um, they are starting trouble here in, uh, at the G20 in Hamburg. The article or headline reads, G20 protesters start fires after riot police hit them with water cannons and pepper spray in clashes ahead of the Hamburg summit they estimate around 100,000 protesters from across Europe <laughs> are pouring into Hamburg ahead of the and some summit. from the United States including <laughs> New York Mayor Bill de Blasio yeah yeah I wonder if if uh, Soros uh, you know ponied up some money for Antifa to, to come out there and, and protest as well um, but the article from the Daily Mail talks about the violent scenes that continued into the night um, as the G20 summit in Hamburg uh, is set to begin today and the uh, police, the German riot police and many others were rolled out as a show of force using fire or water cannons and uh, other methods of crowd control to try to uh, remove and stop the demonstrators from oh, creating man. more violence. It's amazing. And I, I do suspect this this will get out of control quickly oh yeah they always do um absolutely but but you know back to cnn uh and i don't know how many Who? people are, uh, yeah um the uh, communist news network uh or the uh, cnn, CNN. Is that, that uh that cable satire news show yeah that's it that, <laughs> that's it here's what happened though i don't know did you hear about this where a number of anchors and reporters at cnn have had well, they've been doxxed. <laughs> they've been doxxed. They, so they've had their CNN, uh, They've had their uh, home addresses published, and they've received threats of rape and violence in the wake of a story published by. And I mentioned this, uh, I referenced this man, Andrew Kaczynski. He heads up the news. Uh, there were the network's investigative K file team. You see, anti network trolls now are encouraging viewers to wrongly accuse CNN staffers of pedophilia, child porn. There's also tons of anti-Semitism. Um, now, he, here's here's the thing, though. He, he, here's the important part. Um, all right. Now, think about this. We are not really saying that the reports of of of, of these these reports of pedophilia or the reports of um, these vicious reports, we're not saying that they're accurate. 
No, no. We just want to get the information out there so that the public can make up their own minds. <laughs> See how that works, CNN, right? Um, you know, as far as the news networks yeah. are concerned, uh, when you look at the political landscape, when you have Fox News, they are more uh, right-leaning, more Republican-leaning in their bias. Well, when you have MSNBC, they all have a bias. Right. When you have MSNBC, you have a more left-leaning bias. We have a bias. bias. And, right. And most people would be lying if they said they didn't have a bias. Now, our bias is to the truth, to the biblical truth, uh, you know, not only to the truth in, in the news and current events, but the truth uh, about Scripture and, and in Jesus as well. But CNN seems like it's not, it's more than bias. No, it, it okay. It's, so, a, it's so a driven it, agenda. It, it, the word's are important here. You're right. It, a bias is, is a leaning or, uh, a leaning toward right. a certain I have a ideology for one way right. or the other, one but, side now, or the other. But the CNN, they've got, as well as <laughs> other networks, have an agenda of destruction. Uh, the, 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 right. It's not even a bias. It, it's an ideology. Um, I, you know, we're getting hundreds of emails. Where are you guys at? I, I can't tell you. We can't tell you uh, because you wouldn't ask those questions. I'm sending those links from the email. I'm sending the Blog Talk Live Show link and the Global Star Listen link to those emails we received. All right. So we're we're going to try. Tom W., you just got yours coming, and I will we're gonna try to get, respond get accordingly. Yeah. Also, but, open but, the chat but, up on BTR for those who can't watch on YouTube. Right. And I know the other day we said, I misunderstood. I didn't know the chat wasn't working on YouTube the other day when you opened up the Blog Talk chat, and I made a comment about opening it up every day. I got some emails about uh, how uh, we shouldn't yeah, do that yeah, because look, it would divide look, the look, chat, look. and yeah. that's, that they were correct. No, no. So only when there's problems on YouTube will we do that on right. VPR. But, uh, folks, look, uh, at first I thought this CNN situation was a um, uh, was really kind of a, a to quote uh, Van Jones, a nothing burger, right? Which is Joe's favorite word. But the more I, the more we look at this, and the more uh, the uh, we take a look at the landscape of of what's going on, this is a huge story. This is a big deal, and it's CNN tried to. Well, their behavior was extortion like by using doxing doxing methods as a threat to exert pressure. On an anonymous yeah. person, okay. And we gotta get into this a little bit. Okay, this is so right. screwed up. But but it, it is. And, and by the way, I was up this morning. I, I was watching the the uh, the press conference, Donald Trump's press conference, live at four thirty-five this morning, Eastern Time. And I was embarrassed for the journalists of the United States because here you have. The President of the United States in Poland, in Warsaw, with the, uh, with the Polish President. And the questions from the American journalists were about this animated GIF, this animated cartoon, um, about the, the tweets meme. and such. You know, yeah, the meme. Right. Which is another word that, uh, really, that narrative, memes, and, uh, 
nothing burgers. We we need that. And, and you know, I, I understand. And I said this. I by her too. That's another one. By her, yeah. The, all. The, and I understand Google, of course, uh, is the company, but I don't like it to be used as a verb. I just have a personal objection to that. Um, I, I Googled this, or go ahead and Google that. All right. To me, if I'm going to Google something, um, it's going to be done in the privacy of, never mind. But, but you know, it's just the, the language to me is important. Uh, but this extortion-like behavior, uh, by using the threat of doxing, or when, when we say doxing, and by the way, and people hate when I do this to change course, uh, Melissa Zachariah, the honeybee, is coming on later on. And, uh, Folks, you're going to want to tell everyone you know, and even some people you don't know, <laughs> to listen at the top of 9 o'clock, at the top of the third hour. The reason is this. Melissa is going to be talking about doxing, or about meth- methodologies to expose child pedophiles, child predators. Um. You know what they call the this uh, is a, it's people be who do the doxing? They call it Doctors? weaponized autism. Weaponized and, autism? And it's supposed to really? be a compliment because there are different forms of autism. And uh, many people have autism. It, it's not a, a problem of, of retardation. No, it's, it's a problem uh, of communication uh, and, and emotions. Right. But and there are many autistics are geniuses. Are, are, are absolutely are geniuses. And a good example is that Shia LaBeouf... The he will never he won't divide us. That uh that that lunatic who was on the Transformer movies who set up that camera in New York City, uh you know the he will not divide us. What he ended up doing was uh he was so sick of being trolled and people messing with his camera in New York that he uh, put a he will not divide us flag in the middle of a desert somewhere, and these people who call themselves the weaponized autistics. Due to flight pattern, weather patterns and flight patterns, were able to track down where in the desert he put this flag, which was, I mean, basically in the middle of the nowhere, in the middle of nowhere. So mm-hmm. they were through through looking at flight paths and satellite uh, photos and whatnot. Right. They were able to find where this flag was. So he did it again in another country, and in the weaponized autistics did it again. They found the exactly. Basically, he hmm. gave up on his, uh, he won't divide us. But I thought that was pretty funny. And these are the people who caught, uh, the same type of people who caught the, uh, professor who used the bike lock and who identified the guy, uh, who hit the guy on the head with the bike lock. Right. Got the, him arrested. The professor. That's what the doxing is. That's, uh, who these people are. They're not to be messed with. <laughs> you don't want to get on their well, side, especially and, if you have something to hide. Well, yeah. Yeah. Of course, there, there's malicious. Look, look, um, doxing or or the the publishing of information about people has a place in society. I, I believe it does, and I believe as an investigator, it, it, in my point of view, if if you've got a known, think of it this way: uh, Megan's Law, for example. Megan's Law exists so you are able to know that. 
two doors down from you, there's a person who is convicted of child rape, for example, a registered sex offender of, of some type. Now, does it benefit society to know that? Does it benefit you to know that? Uh, I, I do believe in this, in a case like that, of course it does. And, and so, just like many memes, your, our favorite word, right? Just like many of, uh, things have, have taken on different meanings. Uh, for example, uh, the birther situation with Obama. It, it's used, it is, it's, it, it becomes a pejorative when in fact it should be anything but that. The same thing is happening with the Seth Rich homicide. The same thing is happening, well, with many other memes, narratives, accounts, whatever. So, anyway, uh, but this has its place. And the honeybee, as she is called, okay, it's, it, that's her nickname. Her real name is Melissa. Zachariah. You can follow her on Twitter. I suggest you do. Um, she'll, she'll expose the child predators. Especially when, and I'm talking about verified child predators. And that's necessary, I think, especially when there is no, um, no, no other alternative. And I'm choosing my words carefully here, because when you look at this, or when you consider this, you have to be correct. So, um, again, you know the 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 situation is, uh, you've got. Uh, Sorry, are you done? Sorry, yeah, I, I, I'm, we, I'm yeah. hearing voices in my head, and it's really not. John John wanted to join us for a minute or two, and he's on with us. Well, then let's bring John on, uh, and uh, perhaps you can add some uh, non-ADD-like behavior on my part. Go ahead, John. John Robertson, the the, uh, the program director and producer for the Hagman Report. Uh, we, by, by the way, John, and, and uh, folks listening to this, uh, or if you happen to be watching this on archive on YouTube, and seeing this uh, blank screen, just so you know, uh, it's nothing. It's nothing on our end. I can tell you that we are five by five, but YouTube is not accepting our feed. So, okay, that's we will be up shortly. So apparently, we'll be on the video at seven thirty. But John, go ahead, sir. Well, Doug, sir, thank you so much for giving me just a minute or two of uh, of your time here this evening. Um, I wanted to reiterate the point you were just making regarding our third-hour guest this evening, uh, Melissa the Honeybee Zachariah. Folks, if you go to HagmanReport.com to this evening's write-up, uh, there are two links in there. One is to an article from Zero Hedge, and the other is an article from The Daily Caller. Both of them remind all of us about the suspected Berkeley Antifa bike lock attacker, Eric Clanton. Now, most of our listeners remember 
this guy was he, he's a coward he was running up behind a pre, uh, president trump supporters and hitting them over the head now that's attempted murder with a with a with a deadly weapon and folks he was caught he was outed through a process called doxing and doxing is essentially applying cyber forensics it's using citizen journalists all over the world and they have all kinds of methodologies to uh, identify and indicate people who are involved in criminal behavior. Now, doxing can also be misused, and I wanted to go on record tonight as the producer of the show and as the producer and the individual who put this third hour together for us tonight. What we are going to teach you folks to do this evening is operate as your own citizen investigator and citizen journalist. And Melissa Zachariah, the honeybee, is going to teach you, all of you, every single person listening tonight, I want you to take good notes, grab a piece of paper, grab a pen. She's going to teach you methodology for how to go after organizations like Hearts Progress. These groups are trying to normalize terms like pedophobe, now, Doug, Joe, Hagman listeners, we know that every man and woman on the planet with a soul should, in fact, be a proud pedophobe. That simply means you are phobic of pedophiles. So this third hour tonight, folks, is going to be instructional, and I'm excited about it. And I just wanted to really encourage all of you who are out there by yourselves, you've been following the Pizzagate story back in November, uh, what we now call Pizzagate or child trafficking writ large, and you feel alone and you feel like there's nothing you can do, and 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 you you just you're at the you're at your wits end, you're losing sleep at night, and we've had so many guests come on the last couple of months and talk about their efforts. Angela Warren comes to mind, Liz Crokin, Melissa Zachariah, the Sawman, exactly. yes sir. No, no. Now, let me stop you right there because I, this is an important piece of information for you to know and for our viewers now on YouTube and our listeners to know. The reason you had a blank screen on YouTube for the last 20 minutes was because that was blocked by, I'm going to be very careful when I say this, that was blocked by, uh, People. Well, John, it, it, people. It, it was, was your fault, John. It was blo- no, your title. I, 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 look, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. We have to be very careful what we say here because he, here's what's going on. Um, here's uh, here's what's going on. We talk about pedophilia. We talk about child trafficking. We talk about child sacrifice. We tell, talk about child abuse, and sexual abuse, satanic ritual abuse, and, and this kind of thing. YouTube yes, will block us now. You know, John, and I want to just put this out there to everyone. Um, and by the way, if we run, if we, if, if we run a little bit over at the bottom of the hour, let's just not take the break because this is important for people to understand. What we are t- attempting to do with, uh, uh, and, and John Robertson is our program director and our producer. Folks, let me explain something to you right now. Okay. We are in a war. We are taking the offense on this. When I say offense, we are exposing the child traffickers. If those people following my personal Twitter feed, and the reason I have a personal Twitter feed as opposed to 
the show's Twitter feed is I will take this person I will take the hits personally. And if I if my personal feed goes down, the show still stays up. But we are going after and exposing these perverts, these pedos, these progressive. The, 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 these these people who are responsible for this child trafficking. So what you just experienced, folks, and we are not making this up. Eric had to make some changes, and once those changes were made, some extractions of words that Joe was referencing, okay, tags, and also some other things that we are not going to disclose that alerted the people who are responsible to allow us to continue broadcasting on an open venue such as YouTube. This was human intervention. This was not AI. This was not machine. This is human intervention to block that show, this show from going forward, this episode from going forward. So I want people to understand what we're doing here. Under this new mandate, we are bringing John Robertson from the Pacific Northwest to the east Part or to the Midwest, I guess, uh, the, the, to the east part of the Midwest or north, northwest Pennsylvania, relocating him here. We have a new mandate. We are opening up, attempting to open up private, or not private, but our own uh, personal viewing uh, YouTubes, if you will, uh, for lack of a better explanation. In other words, we are attempting to become autonomous where none, we, we, nobody can shut us down. Folks, that takes money. That takes more money than I can mortgage. I can't, I, I don't have any mortgages left. I don't have any, uh, I can't get a paper route. And, you know, I mean, I look, you we are, we, 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 at this point, that's about the only thing we can do. So here, here's, we do need your help. If you want shows about this topic to continue, the exposure to continue, the, uh, John Robertson, uh, the, the way he's kicking butt, taking names and, and putting us on them, uh, you know, bringing uh, guests, uh, uh, John, what you've done over the last several weeks, months, I should say, absolutely incredible. We need you. your help. We are asking for your help because what you just saw here, and this was none of this was planned. Uh, we're not in our pajamas. This was not a publicity stunt. This is an example, in my view, of what will happen in the very near future if we don't become autonomous and away from the, the the machine that controls what we can and can't say and show. Yes, Doug, that's Doug, that's exactly correct. And I just have two two points to make and then I'll I'll take my exit. Uh first of all, uh, Joe, I understand exactly what you were implying as far as the tags and the SEOs and I, I do apologize for that oversight. Uh however, it segues very well into what I want to explain to all of our listeners and viewers this evening. Now, this is very important, folks. In Hour 3, you are going to be taught techniques. Uh, you're going to be taught how to identify. Understand this, uh, viewers and listeners. Please understand this. I'm speaking from the heart right now. In fact, in fact, you might be able to hear a little shakiness in my voice because that's how passionate I am about this particular situation. Doug, you know, I've seen the pictures, okay? The pictures that sometimes Russ and Doug refer to. Well, I've seen them. And what we're going to teach you to do tonight is to be used to inform law enforcement. Folks, there are sheriffs, sheriff's deputies, child protective services. There are district attorneys, assistant DAs. There are all kinds of good cops out there. When you apply the techniques that Melissa Zachariah is going to explain to you tonight, you are to take those to law enforcement, and I cannot be any more emphatic about that. In fact, I will repeat myself. You are to take 
the information to your local sheriff, to your local chief of police, to your local director of child protective services. And if you can't get anywhere with law enforcement, then take this information to the clergy. Take take this information to pastors like Pastor David Langford or Pastor Mike Spaulding or, or, or Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer, because these men know other people who can then get these people put behind bars where they belong. Now, I'll make this final point, and then I'll say goodnight, gentlemen. This, uh, this Antifa bike lock attacker, Eric Clanton, okay, he was hitting people over the head with a bike lock that probably weighs a good, I'd say, 10 or 12 pounds. I actually own one of those bike locks. That's a deadly weapon. And he was caught because good people were tired of seeing President Trump supporters, particularly women, with their heads busted open and bleeding. Well, I'm telling you right here and now tonight, and I don't care how much heat I take for it, at the Hagman and Hagman Report, we will stand in the gap, we will defend the defenseless, and uh, if people want to come after me, my name is John Robertson, J-O-N-R-O-B-B-E-R-S-O-N. So there you have it. Bottom line is this. You will learn techniques tonight in Hour 3. This is a Christian show. We always attack issues from a Judeo-Christian and constitutionalist point of view. That means we do not engage in vigilantism. We do not take the law into our own hands. Doug, I'm sure you agree with me. What we do is we fact-find. We operate as conscientious citizen journalists. We pray for discernment. And then you take that information to law enforcement. And Melissa is going to explain in Hour 3. She's had incredible success working with the FBI and with local prosecutors. Absolutely right. Amen, uh, John. If you guys want to come after me, my name is John Robertson. Yeah. J O N. I'm kidding. No. Yeah, and, and John, uh, the, thank you for sticking your neck out there as we do and uh, putting your name out there because those people, and, and in my view, if, if, if uh, you want to be a bunch of wimps and hide behind some sort of uh, cutesy, uh, uh, you know, pseudo anonymous uh, handle, uh, and attempt to be taken seriously, then now there are exceptions yeah. to that, of course. There are exceptions. Yeah, well, the, I, I get that. The, the, I'll tell you what, the time, the time for that is over. That's nonsense. I'll make this my final comment. Folks, here's what we want you to take away from Hour 3 this evening. Learn these techniques. Understand that you're not alone. You may be uh, a 55 or 65-year-old uh, uh, invalid veteran or a shut-in, a widow, a widower, someone who spends a lot of time in front of the computer every day, maybe because you're kind of where I've been at different times in my life and you're lonely and you don't, you don't have a lot of friends that you can call on the phone and go hang out with. Tonight, Melissa Zachariah is going to teach you how you can get in this fight and get in this fight big time. And once you have the information, once you have the URLs, once you have uh, uh, evidentiary proof this Twitter feed is supporting and promoting child rape. Once you have that, Melissa is going to tell you how to contact the FBI, how to contact your local sheriff's department, municipal police, etc. And certainly, uh, with Doug Hagman and Joe Hagman's many years of licensure as private investigators, at the very least, get the information to us. 
and we'll take it from there. Doug, Joe, thank you so much for letting me punch in uh, tonight. I really appreciate your time. Hey, uh, thank you, brother. John Robertson, program director, producer of the Hagman Report, producer extraordinaire. We want to thank him so much for his... Uh, well, I'll tell you what, John. Uh, I, I could, I could verify this. This guy works twenty four seven, and he's right. underpaid and overtired, underpaid, and uh, just a great asset to this team. And I'm going to thank you, my brother, for for being there for all of us. Well, Doug, I reciprocate those feelings to uh, everyone at Team Hagman. I can't wait to get back there and be with you, folks. Uh, day in, day out at the end of this month. And lastly, Eric, God bless you for getting YouTube back up. Gentlemen, have a killer show. God bless you. God bless all the viewers in the name of Jesus. Let's let's go forward in power and in authority. Amen. A- yep. Amen. God bless you too, John, and Amen. keep up the good work. Thank all you, right, sir. we are going to make sure this, there we go. See, told you we weren't in our pajamas. Shoot, I needed a change. Yeah, there, there we go. Uh, no, you know, it's, again, folks, the, the, the takeaway is this. The corporate media, the corporate elites, the, 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 the people, any, any might think that it's some insurmountable army. It's not. There are not tens of thousands of these leaders. There's only, uh, uh, just a, a very limited number. However, they control the buttons, the switches, the keywords, the code words. When and the letters of power. That's right. But when they know that, and, and look, our numbers, just to give you an example, very quickly, our numbers uh, on YouTube, our numbers on Alexa, our, our rankings are, uh, we have been contacted, and I'm not going to get into this, and this is not to say, you know, oh, we're, we're great, but just so you know what they do to keep down our visibility to make it look, to dissuade someone like uh, uh, Senator Coburn or uh, 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 think of you know another big name or uh, uh, whoever to come on from our pro to to our program. Well, look at the numbers; they only have uh, X amount of listens. Well, when you calculate the fact that we last year, how many countries were we in last year? All but like 40. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, oh, more. I mean, I, I'm not I'm, sure how many countries are in the world right now, but when we look at just on the analytics from Blog Talk, you can see it looks like just parts of Central Africa are the only countries that, and, uh, and uh, parts of or China and, uh, I think uh we have this Greenland. Greenland, there's nothing in Greenland. But, but the fact of the matter is this. What they are attempting to do is to, to, uh, to, uh, make it appear that we are really a nothing burger, uh, Van Jones. Uh, however, and again, this is not, not to say, you know, oh boy, this is great. Now, of course, other programs have gotten, uh, gotten away with this. Uh, of course, InfoWars. Infowars, they're, they're very difficult because of the, the structure and, and how they've. And I have to commend Alex Jones how the, he structured his uh, platform. Uh, so it's difficult to 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 munge the numbers on a platform or a, a, a program like that. On ours, on ours, however, you can do that. As a matter of fact, I watched the numbers today, this morning at four thirty-five. As I was watching the news conference, I was in my office. And I watched our Twitter numbers fall in increments of 10. 
All right. Some people might say, well, you know what? It's bots. It's this. It's that. All right. I watched uh, the numbers fall in the um, average or in the uh, uh, number of listens on YouTube, not by 10, but significantly. And then some came back up and came. It was just, it was just a very odd, eerie, um, uh, appearance. Yet we will have people that'll say, you know, this is all just bogus and, and what have you. But the bottom line is this. They don't want the truth out there. We are attempting and we will expose the truth. People like our, our next guest right now, L.A. Marzuli, is going to be exposing things in the context today that relate, to, well, uh, things of historic significance that have context today. Is L.A. on? Do we, yes, he is. All right. Let's bring L.A. Marzuli on. L.A. Marzuli, thank you so much for your patience, for your time. We had a little bit of an issue um, earlier on because of uh, a program name, description, some other issues. They didn't want the word out, so we uh, had a problem. But now we're back, and you're here. All is well. Good to see you. Thanks for having me on, guys. I mean, it's always good to be on Hagman and Hagman. And it's good to it's good to <laughs> it's good to have you on, my friend. Here you go. I, I like your hat. I like your I like your hat. That's a good. Which one? Well, the one you're wearing, actually. Oh, okay. But, well, this is a this is a very coveted tin foil hat right here. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's the one that people really want to see me put it on, but uh, maybe a little later. We'll yeah, later. that's that's all right. Um, <laughs> I think I think uh that that's that's my great grandmother's skull back never mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh so LA, uh I apologize for the lack of introduction, but uh I think everyone knows you. Everyone knows who you are, everyone knows where to find you. Uh Peru. You just got back from Peru. How'd you like it? Did you, did you have fun? Yeah, I mean I've been down there for like the umpteenth time. I've I've lost count how many times I've been there. I gotta you know, hats off to uh, Steve Quayle, Tim Alberino. Um, Tim's wife, Jasmine, was just absolutely incredible. And she really she really just kept the tour organized and going. Anson P. Rambla, uh, wonderful man, very interesting man, an adventurer. And I got to know him. But it was just great to hang out with Steve and Tim. Uh, Tim and I talked a lot of shop. In fact, when we met, uh, we went down to the restaurant in, in the lobby. We were there for three hours without a comma. I mean, it was just like yak, 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 yak. And our poor wives are sitting there, you know, listening to this stuff because, you know, Tim and I had never met. So it was like major, major talking shop. Uh, it was just fantastic. And I just feel really blessed and honored to know, uh, Tim and, and to get to know him. And then, you know, Steve and I were just running around in, in Cusco and Oyotintambo and, and Machu Picchu. I mean, it's just, just an amazing tour. And if they do it next year, folks, you got to sign up for the Gen 6 tour. They really do it right. Um, we're going to be doing a tour, um, but ours is going to be completely different. We're going to go uh, down to Nazca, Paracas, the Paracas Skulls, uh, some of the pyramids around Lima, uh, which have megalithic stuff too. And then depending on where the airport's open, we'll shoot up to Cusco from there because people really need to see Sacsayhuaman. I mean, that that is just amazing. But uh, it, was, it was a real honor to be there. And, uh, you know, again, just kudos to... To Jasmine Alberino, who really just held the thing together. And, oh, and by the way, a shout out to um, uh, Steve's wife. It was just really great to meet Loretta. And I, I, I did one more thing: that the people on the tour, we just just met some great people there. 
and it was just really, it went way too quick, as it always does. But, um, you know, I got to lecture, which is what I love to do. I got to present one night for about two hours, which is what I really love to do. And lecturing at the sites like Satsewaman and, of course, in Cusco itself, there's some megalithic sites there. And uh, Tim Alberino and I actually did a little YouTube video, which is posted on my YouTube channel, L.A. Marzulli, uh, about the wall in the background. And, again, this is all, um, in my opinion, Nephilim technology. Uh, there's no way yeah. you can do this stuff today, in my opinion. So, well, yeah, and I think that to me that that that's kind of when I look at history, and if 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 you do nothing, folks, but if you just kind of take, uh, like me, I just I I walk my dog and I think, and sometimes I sit on a park bench and think, and people look at me like you know, but you just think about about how history has unfolded and where we are today, um, where we are today. What you just said, Nephilim technology, uh, I think, I think it's, I, I, it helps me understand how we got to where we are. More importantly, where I think we're headed and how we're headed there. And it proves to me the prophecies in the Bible to be true. So, uh, I don't know. Is, is that kind of the context of what you're saying? I mean, that's, that's a great summation of it, yes. I mean, the reason why we're on the trail and, and we're looking at these sites and trying to bring them to the attention of people in the church and then just people outside the church who have no idea what these, what these sites are about, because it points back, in my opinion, to the veracity of the biblical prophetic narrative, like you just so eloquently stated. It points back to the, the veracity of, of Scripture. It points back to the prophetic narrative, which is all throughout from Genesis to Revelation. And I was at a meeting today um, uh, down in the valley in, in, um, in, in West Hills and uh, with a bunch of people um, and, you know, distributors and film guys and the whole deal. And they were, they were much younger than I am. I mean, they were in their, like, you know, late 30s, early 40s, and here I am. I'm the oldest guy in the room at 66. But I could see that, that several of them had never, ever traveled in any of this. I mean, they've never... And, and they just openly admitted, you know, L.A., we're hearing this for the first time. Because I gave them all the Watchers series, my new film, In Their Own Words, um, the Nephilim trilogy. I, I didn't even get into on the trail stuff with the, with the Coneheads, although we talked about it. Um, I only had like an hour, an hour and a half with these people. And I gave them a lot of material. And they've got homework to do. I mean, they really have homework to do because there's so much information in in the 11 DVDs that we did for the Watchmen Chronicles. There's so much information uh, in, in my new film, the Watchmen, or I'm sorry, the Watchers series, all 11 DVDs in the Watchers series, so much information in my new film um, uh, in their own words the Watchmen Chronicles. So, and then you've got the 10 books on top of that. I mean, I've been doing this for like, I mean, if I really am honest, I go back to when I'm 16, and that's when I started, when I was 16. That's when I started reading Carlos Castaneda. And you know Blavatsky stuff and the Secret Doctrine and all the yeah me too. I can get all my all the occult books I can get my hands on, you know. And I was looking at Eastern mysticism and gurus, and eventually took on a guru, Guru Maharaji, and my third eye was open and all this stuff. So I mean, I've been I've been in this stuff for like forever. And then when I came of a lawyer 37 years ago, it was like yanking me out of the kingdom of darkness because that's where I was. And for 10 years, we didn't get near this stuff. 10 years, it was just it was like Boot camp, 10-year boot camp. 
Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, more Bible study. Take your guitar instead of singing rock and roll, lead worship. And that's all I did. And then at 40 years old is when the Lord started turning up the heat as it were. And we started to go back and look at this stuff. And I be, in some ways I be, I'm like an apologist. I mean, I'm trained not from books, although I read, you know, thousands of books if I, you know, accurate, I, I, whatever it is, a sure. lot of books. Okay. Sure. And the bottom line is, but I was there. I was at Woodstock. I took mescaline. You know, I had spirit guides. I've experienced this stuff. And it's all from the dark side. So when I talk about it, it's just not head knowledge. It's just not, well, you know, I read that Carlos Castaneda did a little smoke. I read Carlos Castaneda, and then I went out and tried to make it happen. <laughs> tried to find, you know, that's, that's who I was. I was looking for God. I wanted to find God. And just like Russ Dizdor, I tried everything I could possibly do as a springboard to get there. And you know what? This is what the shamans do today all over the world. They use psychotropic drugs. They use concoctions like ayahuasca to catapult them in to the second heaven where they have encounters. And there is knowledge that's dispensed in the second heaven. And I don't care what, what you think about it. I don't care how benevolent it seems or how, ooh, I got all this good stuff. Nonsense. It's all sourced from the dark side. And they are masters of deception. And they know just what to say to somebody to gain their confidence, to make them feel like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm really experiencing, I'm at one with the universe, or whatever nonsense it is. The bottom line is all deception. But, so, and I, sorry for, sorry to interrupt, but isn't that kind of what Laurel Canyon was all about? The real Laurel Canyon, the real scene there, um, parallel to what you're speaking. In other words, it, it, yeah, there, there was that recreational, uh, partied up kind of thing, like in the 70s with disco biscuits, but now we're talking more of this spiritual journey, uh, parallel to Laurel Canyon. Uh, vice versa to what you're talking about. So, so it was during that time period, right? Same thing. Yeah, this is, this is you know Timothy Leary. Yeah. This is Carlos Castaneda. This is you know um, uh, people coming in with. I mean, the greatest influx of Eastern mysticism came in, in in the '60s, specifically from the Beatles. I mean, that's what opened it up with Maharashi Mahesh Yogi. I mean, the fact that you look around now and there's there's Christians going to their yoga classes. It's just like it makes me want to scream. In fact, I, I wrote a I'm working on a book called What is the Truth? And I took one of the many chapters from that book and put it in my monthly magazine, PPS Report, which is, you know, I could, I could give you a plug, but if you're interested, check it out anyway. But the article talked about that here we are in, in 2017, and all these Christian women are going to Christian yoga. It's not oxymoron. There is no such thing. Trust me, there is no such thing. You know, stretch, do something else, but don't, don't start doing the positions. Because all that comes from tantric yoga. And it's designed to open up the Kundalini serpent spirit. OLA, come on. That's what it's designed to do. That's, consider the source. And all this stuff has crept back into the church. You know, you tell some of these Christian women, and they, they get irate at you. Oh, no, LA has nothing to do with it. Yes, it does. It, yes, it does. Go back to where all this comes from. Well, my instructor's a born again Christian. Doesn't matter. She is teaching what is basically known as tantric yoga. The, the use of positions to open up the chakras in the body. That's what that's what they do. And you just, make stuff up. And you just answered the question that I was going to ask you right now, which is, what would you say is the main difference between yoga and meditation? Well, I mean, yoga is where you take 
the body and moving it in these different positions, um, it's a discipline. And, you know, you, you open up, like for instance, you know, what everyone knows, I guess it's called the serpent. When you're in a process, you know, you're laying on the floor, you push yourself up, but you keep your pelvic on the ground and you arch your back. Well, that's the, the cobra, the serpent, whatever you want to call it. So, you know, what are, what are we doing? Why are we doing that? What's the purpose of it? Whereas meditation, when I was with Guru Maharaji, we were given a mantra, which we were told was the primordial word. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm a 21-year-old kid. I'm eating this stuff up like ice cream. Are you kidding me? Oh, I'm going to get the primordial word. I cannot wait. And so I got the primordial word, and we were told to stick our tongues behind that little thing that hangs down in the back of the throat, which I could never do. But there were some people who could do it. They'd walk around like zombies with their tongue jammed up behind that little thing that hangs in the back of your throat. It's not your uvula. It's something else. And uh, that little punching bag sack thing. And uh, they're walking around with their tongues behind, and they're listening to their breath going so hung, so hung, so hung. And we were told that, you know, our minds were the enemy, to just quiet our minds, still our minds. And so when we'd meditate, we would do this position, and we would try to see divine light and hear um, a divine music, what was called divine light, divine music. So everybody in the room heard it. I mean, when the Muhammad, the holy man, came around and initiated all of us, and I was initiated, and of course, look, folks, I renounced all that. That's like, you know, 45 years ago. I'm 66. I'm 21 when this happens. Hello. So, you know, this is a long, long time ago. Please don't, Elie Marzulli's, you know, promulgating the occult now. Here we go. Because some of them will run with that. You know how the things go. But the bottom line was, I was initiated. My third eye was open. I did see light. I heard inner music. All that stuff. So the occult is real. I mean, it's real. And and unfortunately, the church doesn't doesn't understand this. That this is why our youth um, is flocking towards the ayahuasca, towards the shamanism, towards Eastern mysticism, towards gurus. Now there's a new potion from a toad or something, which is really potent and actually that is even better than ayahuasca. So the kids are down there looking for that. The reason why I say that, we were in the Lima airport. And I met these two guys. One was one was tattoo man bun guy. That's what I called him. And the other guy um, was really pumping me for info. Um, tattooed man bun guy. He had something on him. You could, in fact, you could feel it. He and he was like, you know, kind of arrogant and and just probably on something. I prayed for the guy, not you know quietly, but anyway, the guy that I had contact with, he started pumping me for information. And for basically 45 minutes, um, I witnessed to him without using uh, what we would call, without quoting scripture, without mentioning Jesus. Oh, well, you know, you blew it. You should have. No, I hadn't earned the right to do that. And I told him, you want to know more, come to my website, you know, or shoot me an email, and I will answer you all your questions that you've got. Because he would ask me questions like, well, you know, should I go in and, and do this drug with the shaman? And I said, absolutely not. And then I went and t- tell him, it's like, let me ask you something. And this is, this is from the Holy Spirit, because I'm not that smart. And, and I said, you know as well as I do that in any type of initiation process, when you're with a shaman, you have to give them, the entities, permission to speak to you. You have to give the entities permission to enter into you. And he goes, yes. I go, why is that protocol there? He had no answer. And then the zinger from the Spirit of a Living God was, who set that protocol in place? And why, and why is it there? And why can't these entities cross that protocol? 
And that, that's something that's absolutely profound because just like the black-eyed kids, if I can skip over for a minute, they knock on the door and they ask permission, can we come in? If this won't take long, can we come in? They have to ask permission. Permission must be granted. In occult ceremonies, a person has to allow themselves to take in the demonic. They have to say, yes, I want this. It's it's because of free will. So there's a line there. And, you know, he was blown away by that. And I said, the one who set that protocol, who set that boundary in motion, that's the one I serve. And that's how I left it with him. And he hasn't gotten back to me with an email. Hopefully he will at some point. But so far, nothing. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, wow. And let me tell you something. Uh, uh, Black-eyed kids, yeah, knocking on my door. (laughs) Show you. Can I do your yard work, rake your yard? Uh, show me your <laughs> that ain't happening. Yeah. Well, uh, we got just a few minutes before the break. I want to ask you something. I saw a pretty interesting YouTube video. I believe it was last last week, and I showed you dead also the three-fingered. Yep, yep. yep. There was a alleged, allegedly they found a mummified alien body in, in Peru. Peru. Three Did fingers. You see that? Three long fingers. Yeah, if you go to my YouTube channel, folks, L.A. Marzulli, you can see my interview with Jaime Masson, uh, who basically put that whole thing together. Um, Jaime was the one that heard about it, mounted an expedition, went down. Uh, immediately, Jaime was attacked. Uh, oh, my gosh, it's another hoax. Oh, Jaime, the same guy did the ferry. Now he's doing this thing, and, I, and not so fast. So Jaime calls me up, and he goes, L.A., can, you know, I'm being torn apart here. Can, can I come on the show? So we did like a, a half an hour special PPS report. It's on my YouTube channel, Alien Mummy, Nazca Mummy, uh, Heidi Masson. And, you know, basically I stuck up for Jaime. I'm, the bottom line is this. Okay, there's an artifact. We don't know whether it's real or whether it's fake. No one does. And for someone to sit in an armchair, oh, I know it's a fake. Well, how do you, that's so arrogant. Have you seen it? No. Have you done any testing on it? No. So you're just saying it's fake because you're pontificating and we have to believe you because you're some real smart guy or whatever. Nonsense. That's arrogance and ignorance. And that's not the way things work. And so I said, look, Jaime has is, got is this, this thing. They're doing testing on it. They've done CAT scans and x-rays, but we don't know what we're looking at. The fairy fooled everybody. Now, hold on for a second. I want to, I just want to show you guys, you know, what, what we were up against. Sorry, we're, we're, we'll talk amongst ourselves while you're doing that. No, no, I'm, I'm right here. I'm okay. Right here. All right. These are the x-rays. These are the x-rays, okay, that we got. That, that, that we had from Jaime. And we're sitting there looking at him at a vet's office, and the vet's going, yeah, it looks real to me. And that's why we went with it. We had the evidence of the x-rays, went to a veterinarian who looks at thousands of x-rays in the course of his career, maybe tens of thousands in the course of his career. And, a, and the vet said, yeah, it looks real. It was only till we got, till we were able to get the, the entity, the little fairy thing, out of Mexico and examine it, that's when we realized it was a hoax. And then only after an hour and a half, after two other veterinarians had looked at it and thought it was real, but the thing started to dry up, the skin started to dry up. And that exposed the arm, the upper arm, which is actually wood and a big blob of epoxy, and a blob of epoxy down here holding a bat leg. So it was all, the whole thing was a confabulation. It was constructed. And the moment we found that out, we went public with it. That's what researchers do. We don't know what we're looking at with the Nazca mummy. It may be a hoax. It may be the real thing. I don't know. 
I haven't had access to it. I'm looking at the pictures. I've never seen anything like it. It's very bizarre. There's some guy who's trying to tell us that, you know, they that, that what they did, it's a real mummy. They slipped the fingers down like this. They slipped the fingers down, and then they took the digits from here and here and pasted them on. That may be. I don't know. But the, the bottom line is, and this is what drives me nuts about YouTube and, and just the just the atmosphere where people like myself are actually in the field trying to do something, and the naysayers are there. Nah, 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 nah. They never go anywhere. They never actually provide any evidence for anybody. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, look at the uh, look at the shroud of Turin, the the ridicule, the contempt that that was. Oh yeah, and the, the questions and such. But and LA makes a great point about the YouTube videos. Very much, yeah. So many people online that I've seen will uh, write articles or put threads on internet forums saying, you know, breaking proof of this, 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 or that. And it always leads back to a YouTube video with some person, uh, you know, speculating uh, on their theory of why they think it is, never offering any real proof. But a lot of people will take that as uh, some kind of proof. Folks, we're, we're talking with LA Marzuli. LA Marzuli. .net is the website. He will be with us after this short break. Don't go anywhere. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, you need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a thing, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke. Fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tent what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an M.O.K. 
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com, PreciousTimberProfits.com. Programming information that you will not get elsewhere, at least not all under one umbrella, under 110, under one banner, the Hagman Report. That's what you're listening to. I want to thank Global Star Radio Network for being there for us as well as BTR, Blog Talk Radio as well. Thank you. Uh, and, of course, we're live now on YouTube now that we got that uh, straightened out. Um, we'll just uh, have to re- refer to PB, PB&J and maybe Skippy and uh, uh, some other things uh, from, from henceforth or conjugating Latin verbs. If all of our, if all of our uh, uh, videos are titled <laughs> conjugating Latin verbs, you'll know. Uh, L.A. Marzulli is our very special guest. We are going to skip the bottom of this hour so he has the full time. And again, I want to extend our thanks to our uh, Global Star Radio Network, and we're not going to interrupt his continuity of thought, so he'll have the entire segment, the entire hour. Uh, before we get to him, I want to thank uh, T.C. Joseph. This generation a series of novels, folks, if you haven't gotten them, get them. Pass them out to your friends, your family, your pastors, your, your everybody you know. Buy some, buy them for yourself. They're great reading. T.C. Joseph, this generation series of novels. Let me let me tell you something. I heard this over the Fourth of July uh, holiday. Someone I had given all three books to come back and say I gave them to my sister-in-law, who said, "Show me the real." Educate me, basically. And, uh, hence tune, tuned into this program when I say, hello, Marky. Yeah, not Marky Post, no. Same thing I thought of too. Marky, hello. That's her nickname, by the way. And, uh, welcome to the show. And you're listening to L.A. Marzuli, L.A. Marzuli.net. But, so again, T.C. Joseph, this generation series of novels, get them on Amazon, but definitely get them. Uh, they're, they're, uh, it's a, it's a great read. Uh, th- trilogy, three, three, uh, three books, and it's a great read. So, LA, take it away, sir. Wherever you want to go from here, you've got the floor. Well, I, I just, you know, just thank you guys for having me on. It's always a pleasure and an honor to be on Hagman and Hagman. I mean, it's just, it's great. And just a shout out to, uh, everyone who went on the Peru tour with Gen 6. Once again, it was just fantastic. And I just want to talk a, a little bit about, um, one, one site which, which just continues to blow me away, uh, no matter how many times I've visited it, and that's Saksay Laman. And 
<laughs> when you stand there, and my wife was with me. Peggy goes everywhere with me. We, we're a team. So, She's you know, a wonderful. I, folks, L.A.'s got the coolest wife. I'm serious. He, she is. You married up, brother. Yeah, he's not lying. He married he, uh, up. Every married time up, we, blessed man. I don't every, deserve her. Every time we go to a conference and uh, wow, and, what a great and, lady! And see you guys. She's always uh, so polite, so nice, um, and, and uh, you know just the best. And, and fortunately, we seem to always get a table next to you guys, which yeah. makes it work out even better. So yeah, absolutely, that's great. So you know, Peg had never been to Soxie Woman, so. To take her there was really a treat for me. And, of course, we did a lot of filming there, too. But what I'm always amazed at is the Inca guides, okay, who are, who are licensed by the state. And that's what I want to talk about here. They're licensed by the state. They all basically have the same spiel. Oh, the Inca were master builders. But when you press them, they have no idea. Well, they, they, they rolled the stones from 45 miles away where the quarry is. They rolled the stones. How was that done? How did they cut the stones? How did they quarry the stones? How did they move the stones? How is it that the stones have polygonal shapes, and yet, you know, they fit together absolutely perfectly? I mean, how is that How is that possible? And I'm, I'm, I went off cam here because I want to show you guys something. And, and it's just like, you know, when, when I was there at Sacsayhuaman, this is the first time. And I know your viewers can see that. That just gives you an oh, idea yeah. wow. of what 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 you're looking at. Look at those little people right there. <laughs> and that's how that's how cyclopean or megalithic the wall really is. It's just it's just astounding. And here's a shot of of the joint work, the joinery. Wow. Now, now, you know, uh, uh, now, just to be clear, how big are those stones? Uh, some of them will weigh upwards of a hundred a hundred tons. Uh, all right. Yeah, I mean, even if it's half that, even if it's only fifty tons, it begs the question: How did they move them? How did they cut them? And the stone is very hard. The stone, apparently, for the most part, is andesite, and that andesite quarry, as I said, is about forty miles away, downhill. So they're moving stones from a lower elevation to a higher elevation. There are no pachyderms um, in the ancient world, not down there anyway. How did they move it? There is no horse pre-Columbian. So, you know, but, but, oh, the Inca did it. No, they didn't. The Inca had nothing to do with this. Absolutely nothing. But because of where archaeology is, and because the dialogue is always controlled, and this is what I want to focus in. Yeah, we've, we've looked at the stones. We get that. Okay, L.A. thinks it's Nephilim architecture, fallen angel technology, a phrase that I coined a while back, fine. That, that's, you know, that, that's my problem. The problem is this, on the other side of the aisle. What are these people so afraid of? Why is it that wherever you go, you hear the same argument, endlessly repeated, oh, the Inca were master stone builders, we're not sure how they did it, but they did it. Why is it there? Why is the narrative controlled? Why is the dialogue managed? It's a managed dialogue. It's a managed agenda. And it fits a paradigm, which is, by the way, a global paradigm. You want to talk conspiracies, which links back to the Darwinian paradigm. Because what this does, this is so far advanced that you'd be hard-pressed to do it in modernity. You'd be hard-pressed to make something like this in modernity. With diamond saws, and lasers and all this, 
You'd be hard-pressed to do it. And yet it's there, and we know it's ancient. And I believe that it's pre-flood architecture. I believe the fallen angels did it with the help of a Nephilim, and it was destroyed, much of it was destroyed in the flood. So we really don't know how it was actually used. But it's there. And yet, we were at another site, and most of you know this one, Machu Picchu. And there are megaliths, there are actually three areas, actually four, in Machu Picchu, which are megalithic. Huge stones, you know, 30, 40 tons, shaped, cyclopean architecture, megalithic architecture, polygonal shapes, and it's very, very hard. It's granite, according to uh, what the guide said. It's granite. Well, if it's granite, how did they cut that? Well, isn't that convenient? No one really knows. And then right next to it, and I'm going to try to demonstrate what I'm talking about. Let's say here's here's this cyclopean wall right next to it, and, and part of a temple, right? goes around like it. So here's the wall. Right next to it, the Inca slop comes up. And I go to the guide, and I go, why, why do you insist that the Inca built all of this, when it's so obvious that there were two builders that were here. One who was able to create pristine, artistic, megalithic, polygonal, shaped rocks that we'd be hard-pressed to do in, in modernity. And the other, you know, we can all do on a weekend. You're taking indigenous rocks, you got some mortar, you're making a little wall. I mean, the disparity between the two is is like night and day. I mean, and I mean, I mean, it, it's it's that disparity. Uh, I think I've got one picture I can might be able to show you what I'm talking about. You can sort of see it here. I'll move it real close to the camera. Okay. You see the see the wall in front? How pristine it is. Now look in the back. You see the rubble right there? See it? Yep. That's that's a perfect example of what we call Inca slop, because that's what it is. I mean, it, it is absolute, it looks nothing, and I mean nothing like the um, <laughs> the the actual megalithic stones that we see. Here's a here's a real, even better shot. This is right in Cusco, and I, I did a little tour there. You tell me what we're looking at. There's a woman standing next to the cyclopean boulders, the right. stones, and then above it, right there, there's the Inca slop. Right. And over here is the Spanish. So we've got three different builders. And this, this corner in Cusco, Peru shows us exactly what we're looking at. What are, what are those, uh, LA, what are those black markings, the darker indentation markings on the, do we know? No one knows. They're, they're like little protuberances which come out. Some people theorize that there's like some kind of machine that holds the rock, that melts it, that put, but we don't know. It's all speculation. Yeah, okay. I mean, but many of the rocks have it, but not all of the rocks have it. So that's not even uniform. <laughs> we have no idea of who the builders were, how they did it, and what, what machine or tool that they used to accomplish it. All we know is that whoever did it were absolutely masters, and it was easy for them. They could just do curves. It, it was no problem. So the technology, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I, and I've, I've talked talk to woodworkers. You know, give me four pine blocks and, and just, or just give me pine blocks and, and jigsaws and you show me how you're going to do that. Okay, let's pick it up and move it. I'll stand a little bit more over here. It's not what we're looking at. Everything is pristine. It's elegant. It's constructed with, with great integrity. 
I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And in my opinion, we are looking at technology which is not found on this planet. And it's thousands of years old. And, you know, it's like, here's the L.A. Marzulli challenge, just like I give the flat earthers, it's the same thing, same idea. Okay, let's get all the, let's get a couple of billionaires to donate, you know, $500,000, okay? Half a million dollars. That's not a lot of money, really, in today's economy. We will get a half a dozen of the best stone workers and uh, another 50 workers on top of that. So we've got six, six, you know, really good stone workers, you know, expert stone workers, and then we've got 50 just laborers, all right? And we'll go down to, we'll go down to Cusco, Peru, down to the quarry, and we'll give them replicas of the tools the Incas had, the copper chisels, you know, the, the, the stone mallets. And we'll say, go at it. You've got, you've got, how about, what do you want? Two or three months? How does that sound? Quarry the rock, move the rock, carve the rock, replicate it. Replicate a section of the wall. You got a half a million dollars, go for it. And you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone would take the challenge. Because they know it can't be done. I've talked to stonemasons. They look at that wall nervously and go, it's beyond anything that they can, they can cope with. I mean, right. you know, Jim Vieira did a show, um, I was on the History Channel. I was on the season finale in Search of the Lost Giants. And I presented my Catalina stuff on that, uh, where, you know, we found a giant nine foot skeleton, but I digress. But Jim was a stonemason. And I had Jim write for Armature of Annapolis Volume 2 about the Silistani Towers. And it was, it, he, he concurs with me. He's a stonemason. This guy's been stone, you know, a stone guy all his life. Works with stone. And you look at Silistani, and these are towers which are conical shaped like this. And the stone is basalt. Very hard. And because they're conical and they're round, every, every centimeter you go up, the radius is changing. Are you kidding me? It's the most, one of the most difficult structures you could possibly build, yet it's there, and it's absolutely pristine and, and beautiful and artistic and, and done with great architectural integrity. I mean, it's really amazing stuff. Wow. It is amazing. Yeah. And there's uh, examples of this all across the world from you know, the pyramids in Egypt, uh, just all over the place in, in, with these ancient societies. And my question to you, L.A., and I do agree that it was some kind of technology that today we don't even know or have that ability to do uh, what was done back then. Do you think this was pre-flood technology? Yeah, I think, um, I, let, me, let, me, let me clarify. Sacsayhuaman is pre-flood. Oyetintambo is pre-flood. The, the elements after that are after that are obviously Inca in, at both sites. Same thing with Machu Picchu. You can go there, and there are structures there which are which are cyclopean, cyclopean, okay, megalithic. They're huge. Um, uh, Herculean would be another uh, adjective you could use to describe it. That's all pre-flood. All of it is pre-flood, in my opinion. And then the Incas show up. They see the site. They go, "Wow, this is really cool. We'll make a temple here." And they do. And they carry on their little deal and their little shtick and. Uh, here we are, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years later, thousands of years later, and now these are these are tourist attractions. And the guides focus on the managed narrative, the managed agenda, that the Inca did all this. Because if someone like us is curious and starts to think and says, well, show me, then the whole thing just falls like a house of cards. No one, to the best of my ability, 
best of my knowledge. No one has been able to duplicate those those stone cuts using ink tools. Uh, okay. You can't do it. Right. So, okay. All right. And, and, and you could replicate it today using things like, I, I would suspect, lasers um, and other such 20 and 21st century yeah, tools, saws. right? Yeah. Okay. But you've got cranes and lasers. I mean, how do you move a 50-ton block? You know, I mean, come on. You know, I mean, wow. how do you move it? And then once it's set and it's cut, how do you bring the other stones into it that fit perfectly? Right. Okay. Picking them up. Oh, we got to take a little bit more off of here, and that—that's not what they're doing. Right, and it's amazing. Um, wow. Yeah, this is just incredible. So, okay, what is this? And, and I know I'm going to get emails. We're going to get emails here at the studio. What? Does this, aside from the obvious, and aside from the obvious, what does this suggest to you that perhaps the average person listening to this, who may have listened to you a, a bunch of times before, and others like Steve and Tim Albrino and others, is there what's the takeaway from this? Perhaps that others have not thought about yet. The, the takeaway for me is that there was access to the planet by the fallen angelic host and the protocols of, let me back up we are, in a, we are in a war a cosmic war, a heavenly war which has been going on since the fall in the garden and the protocols of that we are not privy to in other words we don't understand the rules of engagement but there are rules of engagement guaranteed and there's a move and counter move throughout all scripture we see that megalithic sites exist, <clears throat> the stones at Falbeck, the Great Pyramid, Sacsayhuaman, Oyotitambo, Pyramid off the coast of Japan, all pre-flood structures. <clears throat> and <clears throat> it ties back into the idea, the biblical narrative, that the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, the days before the flood, but then it says the kicker, and also afterwards. And it elaborates, when the sons of God saw the daughters of men and went into them and had children by them. These were the men of renown. And the post-flood structures are there also. Uh, the post-flood structures of the Americas would be like Cahokia, the Great Circle Mound, the Serpent Mound, uh, the Octagon Mound in Ohio, to name just a few. Those are post-flood, but they're every bit as phenomenal. And they're not built with stone, they're built with dirt. And again, I believe when you're in a site like that, we're touching the fringes of the supernatural. And my takeaway, and I said this to the group over and over and over again, every site we were at, I would go, my hand is on this wall. I am touching the supernatural. These are the fingerprints of the supernatural. I'm touching it. This is evidence of the supernatural. And, you know, I think some, most of the people get it, that that's what's astounding about all these sites. When, even in Cahokia, when you're there, in my opinion, it's you are looking at a supernatural event which took place a long time ago, and no one really knows how it was done. Lots of speculation. Guys with flint hose and deerskin, you know, and they're moving 5,000 deerskin bundles of dirt a day. Okay, so who's digging the dirt? How are they moving it? And once it's moved, who's designing this thing? Who's compacting the dirt? And how are they compacting it? I mean, you know, once again... 
and, and, and this is the, the thing I've been, you know, I, there's only so much time. But I was at Cahokia several months ago. Cahokia, for those of you who don't know, is the largest earthen pyramid uh, in, in the uh, northern and southern hemisphere. The thing is huge. But it's made entirely of earth. And, of course, you know, the, the, the Native Americans built this. Well, I spoke to the archaeologist who was there that day, the head archaeologist. Because when I'm there, I always try to speak to, you know, as many people as I can and get as much information. He told me that the plaza, which I think is either 42 or 45 acres, was leveled within two or three inches in 45 acres. Okay? This goes back hundreds of years. It begs the question, how do you do it with a flint hoe? And there's a, there's a tape that they have in that museum at Cahokia. They show this man who's, who can take flint and chip it, and, and he, you know, he makes this hoe. And it's about, you know, the blade looks like this, and he attaches it to a wooden handle. I get all that. And then they cut, and they show them out in the field with the hoe. The problem is, the guy's not busting any sod with it. The sod's already been turned over, more than likely by a rototiller, who knows. And he's just doing this. So we're not really seeing the um, efficacy. Love that word. The efficacy of the hoe. We're, we're not seeing. We don't know what that hoe really does. And that would be my challenge. How do Native Americans, without the use of transits or levels or anything like that, level a 45-acre area and then build this mound, which, frankly, the base is actually bigger than the Great Pyramid. To give you an idea how big this thing is. And it's right by the Mississippi River. And when you're standing on top of it, you can see the arches over in St. Louis. So this is a highly charged site. Um, it was surrounded by a stockade. On top of Cahokia, there was a very large building with a 40-foot ceiling. Why do we need that? Why was the stockade around this pyramid? And, and my theory, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to write it in a book. I just haven't done it yet. But, you know, it, it's my intellectual property. My theory is that this is fallen angel technology and that the fallen angels come here, they set up shop, they're treated as gods. Well, if nothing, nothing changes, read the book of Enoch. Nothing changes. They're, they're looked at as gods, and uh, they create all these sites. But these are all post-flood, and they're different. So the protocols, and, and the Bible even tells us this. When you, when you go after the flood, you know something, and, the, and remember, when the angels come down, it's 450 years minimum. So it's not this weekend frat party. They're there for 450 years. A lot of stuff can happen in 450 years. A lot of stuff. And a lot of stuff does. That's where we get all these megalithic sites. But then there's this little throwaway scripture. After the flood, uh, Noah is still alive. So it's still the days of Noah. And um, there's a little throwaway line. They're at the Tower of Babel. And the line says this. They built with, with brick instead of stone. Why is that there? Why is the Holy Spirit go out of his way? Man, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up. I, that that bothers me. Um, now now we know, but because the help, protocols the protocols before the flood, something changed. The DNA changed in man. The, you know, instead of like 900 years, 120 years, the DNA changes. The gates are closed; they can't get back through. Everything changes at the flood. Babel is an attempt to open up the gate. The judgment comes, but he realizes that, well, we don't need to wipe everybody out. 
because there's no contamination right now. Only Nimrod was probably contaminated. So I know what we'll do. We'll stop this thing. We'll be merciful. We'll just confuse the language, which is what he does. Confuses the language. How is that done? That's a three-hour conversation. How <laughs> That's does, true. How, how does Father God confuse the language? And here's something interesting, and I really believe it's going to happen in the kingdom age. When Jesus returns, he's going to throw the switch the other way. And we'll all be speaking the same language. And I realize, oh, that's preposterous. Oh, really? So the God who created the entire universe and changed the language at the Tower of Babel can't throw the switch the other way? Of course he can't. L.A., right now, he could change every individual person's language on this earth so nobody understood anybody else uh, in in a blink of an eye. Um, There's also technology software where you can, well, without even getting into that, um, it's very possible. But 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 I agree that he's right that when when the Lord returns at the twinkling of an eye, when when we're all uh, the dead in Christ shall rise first, followed by those who are left alive and remain. Once we are all there, we will all understand each other. It will be as though uh, whatever language it will be, maybe. that it would be something that none of us ever heard of, but we'll all know instinctively exactly what it is. I mean, and it might not even be a verbal language, you know? Who knows? But, but Ellie, getting back to the the, the the stone itself, that that passage, the scripture passage you referenced, I, I just I, I I'm stuck on that still. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, or if this is oversimplistic. God did not like the, um bricks versus the stone in other words um, okay, it's okay to build a, and I'm using this as an example perhaps a bad one uh, go ahead and build a wall with uh, round uh, rock you'll find anywhere but don't build it with hewn stone is that or, or am I just am I no I, I think it's, I think it's, 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 very, it's a very poignant phrase I never understood it until I went to places like Saksiwaman and, and other places. They, they build with brick instead of stone because, in my opinion, the technology to build with stone that they had before the flood was gone. They didn't have that anymore. It's gone. It's gone with the fallen angels. They took the technology with them. They, they knew the flood was coming. And, you know, Tim Alberino was, was uh, positing that, that maybe um, sites like Saksiwaman were built because they knew the flood was coming, and they wanted to create something that would withstand the flood. Very possible. There's so many things that we really don't know. And that's, that's, that's a great piece of speculation on Tim's part. It's speculation, but it's, it's a lot of food for thought there. It makes, it makes you wonder. It certainly is, it's certainly plausible that this, this could have happened, that the fallen angels are trying to create a monument that will... You know, thousands of years later, people will marvel at it. Unfortunately, thousands of years later, no one marvels at anything, for the most part. You know, the tourists will just go by, you know, Saksiwaman or, uh, you know, Oyajintambo. Well, that's really pretty cool. I guess they must have done it somehow. You know, let's, let's go on to the next site. And that's the average tourist, and I, and I get that. And then you get the Inca guy, you know, blabbing away and telling him the Inca did it. So, it's, um, you know, it's a managed agenda. But the fact that the technology is lost, is gone. We don't see it again. We don't see it mimicked again. It, it's not. It's all pre-flood. It doesn't happen on the planet after that. It's the best of my knowledge. It doesn't. It's just there, and then 
bam, it's gone. And that, that you know, in my opinion, it, it, it opens up more questions than it gives answers. Because, once again, it points back to the protocols of this cosmic war that we see ourselves engaged in. And, folks, you got to understand, we are at war. These are the days of chaos. We are in a cosmic battle with, with, with dark forces. I mean, you know, look at the 6 o'clock news. And that's why Jesus has to return at some point and set up the millennial kingdom. Otherwise, it's like, you know, it's just, it's just we're descending into this pit, and there's no way out of it, in my opinion. And I realize that's incredibly pessimistic. But I don't think you can fix this at this point. I mean, I really don't think you can fix it. So yeah. they're building the brick because that's easy technology. And what's interesting is when you go to Lima, there are pyramids out of brick, uh, adobe brick. There are all these adobe pyramidal structures all out, out of Lima. And human sacrifice is done in, on many of them. So, but it's it's so far back that it's all lost. Just like Teotihuacan, which is not a, um, a, a a megalithic site because it's 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 post flood. But when you go to Teotihuacan, which is right outside of Mexico City, and when I was there, I was just blown away by what I was looking at. But I had altitude sickness. I had Montezuma's revenge. I was also 35 pounds heavier than I am now and not in shape at all. So I had trouble getting around. I could not climb to the top of the pyramid. Because I was just, my body just would not. I climbed in the first thing and I felt like my heart was coming out of my chest. Really out of shape. I was 35 pounds every I am now. Altitude sickness, Montezuma's revenge. But later on looking at the pictures, realizing that there's no pre-existing culture before Teotihuacan. And all this pyramidal structure, pyramidal stuff, pyramidal mood, this, the palace of Quetzalcoatl, all this stuff just appears. You know, the, the huge uh, plaza where, you know, they call it the um, uh, the way of the dead. That We don't know what it's called. That's what they call it. And all these little anterooms next to it. We have no idea what this thing actually looked like, but we get glimpses because the stone is just natural stone. It's indigenous. All right? And it's just slopped together in some ways. But the building is still incredible. And it, and it, and it denotes engineering, building skills. Uh, it, it's, it's mind-boggling to look at Teotihuacan, the structures that are there, mind-boggling. Um, so it'd be like today, our generation uh, and our, our race of humans and the technology we have being wiped off the face of the earth right now today. And in, I don't know, a thousand years, there's a new race of humans that are uh, you know, eight inches tall, uh-huh. and they go around and they look at the old churches and houses that are made of bricks, and and they say, you know, how could these people, how could people, uh, you know, like us make things like this? Uh, it's the same mentality, and I and I understand that, and it and it's a very valid point, and it's biblical, and uh, one thing that I I can't stand, except for the fact that it does shine light to the to the biblical events and, and the stories in the Bible is the ancient alien theorists on the History Channel where they take everything and twist it. They take everything that, everything from the Bible and twist it into well, the only way it can be explained is if it was an extraterrestrial. And we see, uh, you know, all these things that are ongoing with the, with the technological advances now and the activity, and you talked about this last time you were on, the UFO activity. And, sure. um, you know, the sightings and whatnot. And it makes me wonder, 
uh, about the, you know, the war in the heavens. Are we seeing a war in the heavens as the Bible has described will happen, or is that still yet to be seen? Um, I think that it's, it's, things are ramping up. Uh, I'm out of date that, or you guys know that, but it's ramping up. We had uh, Dr. Lou on, on the show yesterday, PPS Report, my show, and uh, he gave us an update, uh, a UFO update, and he told us that so far in 2016, from January 1st to the present day, what is the date? July, July 6th. Um, I, I guess the report ended in June sometime, but 96,000 UFO sightings. 96,000 UFO sightings reported. Now, that's wacky. Absolutely wacky. And so, there's like a spike that goes like this. The phenomenon is burgeoning. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt about it. And uh, last week, which went unnoticed by most people, uh, the UK released uh, what were at one time classified, highly classified documents, specifically regarding Rendlesham Forest. The Rendlesham Forest incident happened decades ago where a, a craft landed on an army base in, in Rendlesham Forest in England. And people saw it. They went up to it. They, they looked at the thing. They, they reached out and touched it. It had strange writing on it. And, you know, it, it, it was reported in, and by more than one person saw this thing. So, um, the UK releases the document. The elephant in the room, of course, is the USA. And until we come clean and release the documents that we know, um, this cat and mouse game that we see where it's always tongue in cheek, people make fun of it. 96,000 UFOs reported according to Dr. Lou. 96,000 in the first six months of the year. So that's a lot of UFO activity. Um, I get stuff weekly from people who see all sorts of craft and orbs. Uh, um, so, you know, the phenomenon is ramping up. And in my opinion, the reason why it's doing this is because we're getting very near. Something's about to happen. Uh, it I could agree. be, it could be a, a variety of, of scenarios. And we've talked about some of those, uh, in my, in my days of chaos book. You and I have talked about it. The three of us have discussed this before on your show. I mean, the threat of an electromagnetic pulse weapon, that has not changed. Um, in fact, it's, it's even gotten more dire, in my opinion, with uh, with North Korea. And uh, I was told by uh, the spook that contacted me in Dallas that the next war was North Korea. I was told that in March. Oh, okay. Now, but, would, uh, L.A., wouldn't EMP weapon um, in particular, wouldn't that be uh, against their, or or antithetical to, to the objectives of the wouldn't that defeat the purpose of, of who, whose purpose well no, uh, okay no purpose? I, I, I guess I guess what, what I'm thinking is and, and again correct me at any point I'm wrong or I'm off track is if the deception which we are going to be ensnared into which we're going to be ensnared is going to take part in part by technology, by knocking out the grid, so to speak, would take away the mechanism for deception or parts thereof. Does that make sense? It, it, it certainly does make sense. you got to remember, though, that 
let's say an EMP is dropped on the U.S., it's not the entire nation which would which would go dark. Only the area affected by the EMP. So, you know, what what would that be? Maybe a, a 500 mile radius? We don't know. It's all speculation. It could be a lot bigger than that. The bottom line is, it's gonna that would trigger uh, the supernatural events, in my opinion, because an EMP is, right. is a nuclear device. That would trigger supernatural events, and now we're rushing off to Armageddon at that point. And even if it's an EMP that affects the whole globe, it would give uh, the people, the uh, elite satanic people in control of this world, it would give them the excuse to roll out that beast system that everybody must accept accept and be part of and follow, um, or have the option of you know running in the wilderness while being hunted for not becoming a part of that society. It would give it the perfect uh, uh, segue into that type of system. Well, it, yes, but but I, I can't let you go any, any further, LA, if you don't mind. Uh, being the the little voice uh, whispering in your ear, the person about North Korea, um, is that to say that perhaps nuclear exchange, or is that are are you going back and saying, okay, the EMP? That's what we're talking about here. It, it could be either. Right. I mean, at this point, I mean, I I don't know. Um, the, the the guy that that contacted me basically said that there's going to be the, the, the next the next war is North Korea, um, and, and we can see it's all hmm. it's, it's it's foaming it, it's it's foaming at the mouth. It it, it wants it wants to go. Yeah. Um, but we're not there yet, and anything's you know here here's the deal. It's like we've talked about this before too on the show that. That Trump was never supposed to get in. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. Donald Trump was never ever supposed to be in the White House. It, I remember looking at um, and tracking the polls every day for the last 30 days. Now I was tracking them, you know, once or twice a week before that. But the last 30, 40 days, I, I went to Real Clear Politics and and some other places and tracked all the polls I could possibly get my hands on. In every single poll, Hillary was up six, eight. 15 points on one. She constantly led. There was only one poll that had Trump, and that was the LA Times. And he had, and they had Trump up by three. So Hillary was, I mean, you can go back and look at it, you know, go back and look at the polls. All the polls were wrong. Once again, it was a managed agenda. It was a shoe-in. There was no way Donald Trump was ever supposed to be this. Hillary was the anointed one, and it was taken from her. And I think, I honestly believe it was a God thing. I really do. Because if Hillary had been in, um, our IRS problems would not have gone away, for starters. Now, let me just tell you something. We were being, and I know, I believe this, I'll just say it on, on, on the radio. I believe the Obama administration targeted our ministry, um, because of our conservative anti-Obama agenda, which I was vociferous, and I constantly blogged against him. I did it in a nice way. It wasn't hate speech, but, you know, I mean, I, I blogged against him, against his policies, against his uh, worldview, against his ideology. I mean, I, 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 there were many blogs uh, about that. And, okay, we were audited first for 2013. Then they immediately tagged 2014 and 15. They said we owed $150,000. I can't pay that. There's no way. That, that So what would have happened, and we... I lawyered up. We didn't need a lawyer. Had an accountant. Gave the accountant. Um, we switched accountants and had the, gave the accountant uh, power of attorney. 
And uh, we waited our time, waited our time, waited our time. And after Trump won, basically not the whole thing went away, but 14 and 15 went away. So from $150,000, all of a sudden it dropped down to 35 grand. And but they would not, they still penalize us for it. So we, it, it's more like 49. That's what we owe, and that's okay. We we kind of figured 2013 was a banner year for us. So, and the only reason why I say this, I don't want your sympathy. I'm not, you know, trying to get donations here. I'm just saying that when Trump was elected, the guy came in. All of a sudden, 14 and 15 went away. So the numbers went down from 150 thousand dollars down to 35 thousand. But, you know, the penalties, it, it bumped it back up. So were we targeted? I think we were. I can't prove that. I don't have the resources to prove oh, it's it. A, it's well, admitted, though, L.A. Yeah. L- L- I mean, and, and the former uh, IRS commissioner, Lois Lerner. Uh, no, Koskinen is the, uh, or Koskinen is the commissioner. Lois Lerner was the uh, she was office, afraid, office person. Uh, she wanted to testify under uh, under oath in secret, and she told the judge that she was afraid for her life uh, for what she would testify to, and it started with you know the Tea Party, who were the the ones that were the beginning targets of the IRS, but then it it uh, mushroomed from there into all political opposition of Obama, as you just yeah. as you said. I I com- I completely concur with that. Um, you know, people talk about that the Trump White House is is Nixonian and all this. I mean, are and they talk about the the collusion with the Russians. I mean, are you are you kidding me? It's just it's just a complete flip flop. I mean, Obama and his collusion with the Russians and and and, and it's just not, and Hillary Clinton. I mean, the Iranian deal. I mean, and, and and no one investigates this stuff. I mean, it's like what what you know, Loretta Lynch talking with uh, with Bill. I mean, that's that's unprecedented. I mean, you, you can't do that. You you can't do stuff like this, and yet it's there. You know, Justice Scalia uh, is is probably heart attack. The one major conservative judge, because they were all figuring, we'll get Scalia out of the way, you know, you'll get elected, we'll get the liberal court in. That's the end of America as we know it. And I, you know, I hate to say it, folks, but that's that's the truth. If, if, you know, point. from a, from an investigative point of really, view, uh, LA, and from, from a cruising altitude, when you look back at, at the at the very issues you just isolated, it makes sense. It in in at least in my mind. Oh, it makes perfect sense. Okay, expecting uh, Clinton to get in, an extension of the agenda. You could yeah. see the Scalia from Scalia and, and backwards and forwards and events in between. Uh, it, so it does make sense in that in that context. Fantastic, uh, and and it's unfortunate that you had to go through, even to the extent the, the level. And and folks, let me tell you something. Uh, the level of extent. For uh, of which that L.A. and his wife, his business was harassed, and it was harassed. I, I, I mean, I'll tell you something, and and folks, you've got no idea the months leading up to November, the harassment we endured, the harassment the uh, L.A. endured, and others like us, and it's continuing yet because the swamp is still filled. Um, Underneath the, uh, the, yeah, I, I mean, it's still there. So it's, it's not going away. It's lessening. But, uh, you made some good points there, sir. You know, I want to, I just want to switch gears here. 
you know, I started a new series called The Watchman Chronicles, and I think you guys, you know, you guys know about it. The first offering was UFOs in their own words, UFOs are real. And, um, and, and it's been great. You know, we had a, nothing but positive feedback from a gazillion people who've watched it, love it, and, and, and it's changed people's lives. The second, uh, film will be out in September. And if you guys look in your, in your chat box there, I, I actually sent you the, the trailer to it. Um, we'll probably be doing pre-orders fairly soon. The film will be out uh, September 1st. Here's why. 20, uh, 2017 is the 100-year anniversary of the Fatima apparitions. For those of you who don't know what Fatima was, Fatima is this little out-of-the-way town in Portugal. And three children, ages 10, 9, and 7, Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta, respectfully, respectively, um, saw a lady and went back and told their parents. And she appeared to them on the 13th of the month and did this for six consecutive months. And it, it created quite a furor in the town. Uh, the parish priest believed at first it was demonic. They grilled the kids. and But word got out, and onlookers began to come. A couple of hundred, a couple of thousand, until the crowd swelled, and they were waiting for a sign, because they'd been told that on October 13th, this mysterious lady was going to come and show a sign. And upwards of 100,000 people were in a field in Fatima, Portugal, waiting for the sign. And the sign happened. It's called the so-called miracle of the sun. And our take on this, on the Fatima apparitions, the title of the film is Fatima, Mary of the Bible or a Harbinger of Deception. And our research into this has been absolutely incredible. And we have found evidence of what may be a massive, massive cover-up, a, de a deliberate obfuscation of the actual events, because in 1919, this was recorded by the original parish priest, Father Friera, and the priest went missing, and later on the records were this woman by the name of Fina de Armada went to the sanctuary. She was a college student, no axe to grind. And she was going to do a report on famous women of the 20th century. And so she was going, she picked Sister Lucia. Lucia was 10 at the time. She was, then became a nun at 17. She was cloistered and given a vow of silence for 15 years. That's called a gag order. Hello. So she was trying to study Lucia. So she goes to the sanctuary at Fatima, which is this church in a basilica. And no one has looked at the original records in decades. In decades. And she has access to the original records. All the original records. And she transcribes them. And what she finds is a complete, completely different story than the story we've been told. Completely different. To the point where witnesses who were in the field during the so-called miracle of the sun, looking up, I saw a dull silver disc. The word disc, dull, and silver is used by multiple witnesses over and over again. And so that's what the film uncovers. We've got some fascinating interviews. Um, we, we are on location at Fatima. Uh, it's just, it's, it's cutting edge stuff and the trailer should be up hopefully tomorrow. Okay. Very interesting. 
I don't know, LA, have you ever seen, there's been some reports on different local news stations, and I've seen a few of the videos on YouTube, where there are uh, a persons or a person who claims that they can summon a UFO. Yes. Uh, is it something similar to that, like what you, what you just described? It's, it's different. The, 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 these images are supposedly the Mary of the Bible. There was one in 20, um, 2009, which we show in the film. It's from a, uh, uh, a place right outside of, of Cairo, uh, Egypt, at, over a Coptic church. And there are just these, there's actually, in, there's a little clip of it when it, we show it in the trailer, just a little clip of it. And you see these like, like light, light beams, but there's no faces or arms, just these light beams. And Muslims or Christians are together and they're all clapping and, you know, the whole deal and celebrating. This thing went on for days before it finally stopped. So, I mean, it, it's all there. And those are the type of apparitions that are happening. Um, and in my opinion, with all due respect to Catholics who believe it's the Mary of the Bible, uh, it's just a light blob, a light entity. We have no idea what this thing really is. It certainly isn't Mary of the Bible. And why would Mary be appearing anyway? So I realize the film is, is controversial, but that's, that's what we deal in is, is the controversial. You know, look at the, the elongated skulls behind me here. I mean, that's, that's controversy 101 right there, right? Yeah. So, and LA, we talked with Bill Salas last Friday, who was okay. on the show, and we got into the, uh, the Fatima talk and how, and, you know, it was a, it's basically we become accepted as part of the Catholic religion. And uh when we did the prophecy in, in the news in the news conference in Orlando, Florida, driving down the ninety five, there's a big church there with a big statue of Mary and it says the Queen of Heaven on it. And we started to get into uh in Jeremiah and the Queen of Heaven and how that's also an accepted Catholic teaching and how those two are intertwined and it, it's just very fascinating to hear you talk about this also and Maybe in the future we can uh, get into the subject again because I know we're running short on time. Yeah. yeah. I just kind of gave you guys a taste, but the movie will be ready in September, and I would love to come on the show and, and you know, do a, do a couple hours on it and, uh, you know, preview it or whatever, show, show you Absolutely. guys some copies. And, because it's, uh, you know, the Mary of the Bible um, is one thing. These apparitions are something else. In, in, and, indeed. Uh, and, as well as the divinity... Con- the, talking about Mary as as though she is the divine herself. Uh, right, she's not. That's and and please, folks, before you send us uh, emails like you did last time with uh, after Bill South, understand this is not an indictment of uh, understandable. Understand what LA is saying, okay? It's not an indictment against Catholics. It's an indictment right. against the, the Catholic the Church and the system of religion controls right. the Catholic Church. That's right. All right, LA. We we've got about uh, seven minutes left here. Um, anything? What? Uh, anything you want? Would like to promote to talk about to? Uh, uh, anything in this respect uh, uh, that you want people to know about? Well, you know, all of our watcher series, all all ten, actually eleven of them, are on Vimeo. LA Marzulli, you can just rent them now. Um, but you know, you can also buy them. And then, of course, the Watchman Chronicles, the new film which has been selling really well, um, and we've had nothing but great reviews from it. Look, I, I, can't, I can't state it enough. All I can tell you is this, folks. Something's about to happen. I'm not, I'm not peddling fear porn. 
I'm just saying, 96,000 UFO sightings. It's everywhere. And the church is, for the most part, completely unprepared for anything like this. And if if we go up in the rapture, they may show up. That's certainly one scenario. But when the UK is like releasing classified documents pointing to the veracity of the UFO phenomenon, what are we to think? And what's keeping it is the US. If when when the US finally reveals that Roswell was real and we're on the seventieth anniversary and we actually, you know, it's so funny, like some people are trying to tell us that really nothing crashed there as a weather balloon. I sat down with Dr. Jesse Marcel Jr. I did an interview with the guy. Marcel Jr. handled the wreckage. Hello. I mean, you know, you can people can they say this stuff, but I interviewed the guy. And Jesse Marcel Jr. was, t- was about 10 or 11 at the time of the Roswell crash. His father, Marcel Sr., was the intelligence officer of the 409 uh, bombing group at the base and was sent out to Mac Brazil's ranch. And we're coming up. This is the 70th anniversary. And he looked at this debris field. He gathered some of it up and put it in a cardboard box. And before he took it back to the base, he stopped at his house and showed his wife and his son and told them, what you're looking at is not of this world. And when he went to the base, they released the paper. And the, and the newspaper said, Army recovers crash flying disc. That's what it says. Yeah. And four hours later, they redacted, oh, it was a weather balloon. Nonsense. We have in the Watchmen Chronicles, and you can, you can watch that whole thing for free. Go to my YouTube channel, L.A. Marzulli, and, and, and watch the, um, the special I did on Roswell, where I read Dr. Marcel's transcript from the interview, and then right after that, I show Jim and Carolyn Rankin, who came on the record and talked about their uh, experience with Colonel Hill, who was an intelligence officer, OSS, which is a forerunner of the CIA, and was called and summoned to Roswell, New Mexico, after the crash, and made contact with one of the alien beings. And this thing had six fingers, according to Colonel Hill. They were small of stature, large heads, dark eyes, six fingers. And they were wearing like a one-piece jumpsuit. This is a deathbed confession from a former intelligence officer. And it's an exclusive interview, which was brought forth in the movie The Watchmen Chronicle. So we hear from a myriad of people, guys. You, you, I know you've seen the film. A myriad of people. Everything from lights in the sky to orbs in the sky to physically being taken um, to watching people shapeshift right in front of your eyes. Uh, the entire car is taken up. Uh, into the ship and, and missing time, the whole gamut. And then what I would call high strangeness or UFO brain fog. And I, I address some of this. So that's in the Watchmen Chronicles. And uh, you know, check it out, folks. It yeah. helps, helps what we do here. And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, please get educated because the longer, the, the closer we get to that event horizon, the more we need the information like L.A. Marzulli has, please go to lamarzulli.net. From there, you can get to the the various, uh, whether you want a DVD or, or Vimeo, but get educated. Understand what we are up against. And I think information, well-used information, is extremely powerful. We need to have that. And, L.A., I want to thank you so much. I mean, 
the, the this information, this discussion, as far as I'm concerned, was just uh, yeah, we could go for, for a few more hours. Uh, yeah, indeed. Got absolutely. Uh, you know, the one thing that in the closing minutes are the UFO phenomenon. Uh, from Roswell to everything that's being seen, mostly in America and uh, in the Western Hemisphere, it. The more that this happens, I wonder if it's not advanced military technology with the help of of the fallen ones. Uh, and some people even speculate that you know the fallen angels and heavenly beings actually use vehicles like that to transport around too. So. Um, it's just, it's very interesting. We could get in great, uh, depths of conversations, uh, in, in this area alone. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's both. It's not either or, it's both and. Okay, interesting. Very, very well said. My man, you've done it. You've taken us to the, uh, top of the hour. Thanks, guys. Um, hey, th- th- thank you. Um, next appearance anywhere, conference, uh, um, I'll be up in here at the Watchman Conference. Looking okay. forward to that. Then, of course, Steve Quayle's conference in September. Right. Big Jet 6. It's almost sold out, folks. Um, at some point, you won't be able to, you know, get in. Then, of course, right after that, uh, um, Prophecy Watchers in Oklahoma City. And I know that that's going to get sold out real quick. I think they're hovering right around 12 to 1500. They can only seat around 2000 people. So, um, yeah, they're going to, they're going to run out of space soon. Those are the three biggies, and then there's some smaller ones in between. Fantastic. My brother, thank you so very much. Elliamarzuli.net. God bless you. Say hello to Peggy uh, for us. Until next time. All right, folks. We're going to be right back. Stay right with us or stay with us. Network break coming up. And, folks, uh, buckle up. get, Get prepared because you're about to hear some information. Well, I believe, we believe information the the reason that we couldn't get on air earlier at least on the YouTube venue stay right where you're at Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. 
For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. and Hagman report this segment you are going to want to be buckled in guarantee it there will be turbulence it's not going to be clear air turbulence either it's going to get rough Um, do, do, do me a favor number one subscribe to our YouTube channel number two pass this segment along via your social networking uh as, as far and wide as possible because we have with us the honeybee. That's right. Known on Twitter as Melissa the honeybee. Okay? That's Melissa Zachariah, but known as the honeybee. If you look on your screen, if you're watching this via YouTube, you can see uh, Melissa uh, the honeybee. Alright, now we, this is going to be a little bit different because we have heard from so many people. What do we do? What can we do? We, we, we want to expose the people who are trafficking in children. Children are the currency of the elite, in my personal opinion. And I think that this must, well, I know this must stop. Uh, the sexual abuse of children, the human trafficking, this is a very, this is the third rail of, this is the third rail of politics. This is the third rail of broadcasting. This is the third rail of just, of society. And we don't talk about this in polite company. It exists, but we keep it over there. Because no one really wants to talk about it except people like our guest, Melissa the Honeybee, who we're so glad to have with us. Melissa, come on in. How you Thank doing? you so much. Thank you for having me again. It's, it's a pleasure being with you both. And, um, you know, this this epidemic is far greater than I think anyone could even imagine. And the fact that um, there are people out there that are really trying hard to make this a public thing. You know, there, there are people out there that are tweeting, they're 
calling out these um, businesses and MSM that are ignoring the issue um, and, and really trying to put it out on their platforms, using their platforms. I mean, you guys, you're doing a great thing. You're using the power of your subscribers and your platform to talk about this very important thing that a lot of people they don't want to talk about it. It's well, very course. hard to talk about. But but it's it's people such as yourself who are in the trenches. And this is going to be a little bit different tonight, folks. Uh, Melissa's here to talk. The, the honeybee is here to talk about uh, the steps that you you the listener the viewer can take. Uh, to get in the fight, to make a difference. We all say, well, what, what can we do? Well, Melissa's here to, to, to help us, to, 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 uh, give us some suggestions, some, some things that, uh, she is doing. And as a matter of fact, if you go to her YouTube channel, you can watch some significant instructional informational videos. Uh, j- just search. In fact, it's in our program description, a link to her YouTube channel, Melissa Honeybee, uh, Zachariah. Okay. So, but having said that, uh, let's start out with this. We've, we've, um, we're, we're seeing the, normalization or attempted normalization of all things pedophilia related and we knew that this was going to happen but we're seeing this really uh, take place through Hollywood through uh, the acceptance of late sentences of government officials for example and so many other ways but acceptance of Islam also uh, right which is just mind blowing uh, by and of, of, of itself now you had uh uh, you had issued, I, I think you had authored or cr- created a petition. Is that correct? Or am I, am I wrong? Uh, yeah, I actually created a couple of petitions. Um, that, uh, that video that I sent you today, I had done a few months ago and right. immediately, um, upon creating that petition, I had done that video. So that was, um, pretty much done within, um, the month. They give you a month to be able to get a hundred thousand signatures and, you know, I, I shared it. I emailed it to friends and family. It was on Facebook, on Twitter, on Vote, um, everywhere. And it only had nine signatures. And I know that there were there were well over 100 people that had signed the petition. So there is this level of censorship um, going on, you know, <laughs> at the highest level here. So I have reintroduced the petition again today, actually, um, to to focus on government officials, public officials, government contractors, and anyone in a, in a capacity of a corporate structure, which is a high-level corporate agent, is usually looked upon as a public official. Um, anyone in Hollywood uh, is a public official. Um, it really depends on your state, but most of the time they are included in that. Um, that these people, once they are convicted of, of child sex crimes, uh, abuse of children, exploitation of children, whether it's pornography or right out molestation or rape. Um, we don't want them to work in the government anymore. We don't want them to uh, provide services for any us anymore. We don't want to watch their TV shows or their movies or listen to their music. So I'm calling out our government, our Congress, to reevaluate how we look at uh, the aftermath of these convictions. Because in my research, especially looking at D.C., I found that many of these government officials 
uh, once they are arrested and convicted, they serve their very short sentences, and they come right back out of the gates in a private capacity where they're working as government contractors, whether it's for technology or consulting. They're back in there with their buddies who are covering their butts all along um, and still having a way of being in control of what's going on in our society. And it's, it's got to stop. Uh, it's not, I've found people working at the, uh, the, the, the Air Force base in, in Los Angeles for the yeah. Space Superiority, Superiority Directorate, um, that made pornography with their daughter. And I, they, they're now working on technology. I can't believe this. When I, when I read this, I had to read it two or three times. Uh, you point out that Cynthia and Hugh uh, Boone of Los Angeles, uh, they are part of the Los Angeles United States Space Superiority Directorate at LA Air Force Base. They made pornographic films and images of their own daughter, and yet they are still working in that government. And that's position. a video from two couple of months ago. Yes, mm-hmm. that is yeah. crazy. Yes. And, and I would direct everyone to, uh, I believe it's linked in the program description as well, but I would direct everyone to watch that because uh, a very masterful detective piece that the honeybee did uh, as she dissected this case. Uh, if you want to talk about this or wherever you want to go, whatever makes sense to you, because we have so much ground to cover, I don't want to, uh, you know what, Melissa, you're the expert here in um, in, in this respect. I, I don't want to I don't want to cause you to stumble, or we don't want to cause you to stumble. So, however you want to take this and lay this out, you just go right ahead. If you want to, if you want to address this, or sure, yeah. I mean, those first few videos that I did at the beginning. I mean, I I'm very new at this. I'm not a professional private investigator. I'm not. Uh, professional YouTube personality. You know, I work in the restaurant industry usually. Um, you know, I, I've done public speaking in the past. I'm comfortable talking um, in front of people. But um, this particular, uh, you know, this movement of, of research that I'm not, I'm not the only one doing this. This is like a, a group effort. People are actually starting to do their own research and present the information. And, and that's almost becoming... Uh, the real news at this point. So, you know, looking up these these particular cases, and I, I'm just perusing the sex offender registry uh, for people that are accused of child sex crimes um, that are working in the government. If it's a private individual, like I said, I don't I don't continue the investigation. I'm I'm directing it towards public officials because that's where I think we need to start as citizens is calling out the the government for letting these things take place. So. You know, I look up their information, and I, 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 I'm blown away by what I see. There is literally a ring around the White House and the State House of convicted child sex offenders that work or have worked in the government. It's a pedophile ring. You know, I, I even put the little dots on a map in one video and showed people um, that this is really going on. And that's the key. It's actually showing people and connecting and sharing uh, with each other, the information, and you know, I I've really gotten a lot of feedback. I have a lot of subscribers very quickly, and it's because I'm I think I'm giving people hope that they can actually do something about this. 
And, you know, that's a big part of why we're here today is because I really want to show people how I find out what I find, uh, what you can do about uh, being a part of, of bringing it down. And, you know, we just had some censorship there in the beginning yep. <laughs> of the video uh, because of the wording. I- I'm sure it was quite sure it was because of the wording. Um, you know, I'm all about crushing the pedophile agenda. And that, unfortunately, might be a little scary wording for some people. But at this point, I mean, we've got Antifa attacking people in the street, you know, with bike locks. And and I'm sure we'll get into the Eric Clanton story in a little bit. But um, we need to start taking action. So besides your usual, you know, obviously, if you see any sort of child pornography or any sort of exploitation online, it, you have to report it to the authorities. So, you know, it, it's as simple as there's three places you should always report every time. Um, always report it to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of how they're running their operation. They have a lot of work to do, and I'm working on that, um, you know, trying to figure out what's going on with them. Uh, but you need to you need to report it to them. So you can call them at uh, 1-800-843-5678. You can go to their cyber tip line. It's missingkids.com slash cyber tip line. And you can put the links in there. Uh, I think they actually let you write, you know, the whole situation out and just send it off. Okay. That's the most important part is, is getting it to the authorities. You want to also, not or, you want to also call or make a complaint at the FBI. So you call them up, you find your local FBI field office, you call them up and you tell them what you saw. They're going to ask you for the link. You're going to tell it to them verbally because you don't want to save things on your computer. Never save images on your computer of, of child pornography because you are incriminating yourself and breaking the law. You have to be very careful with this stuff. Also, you want to go to the ic3.gov website, which is specifically uh, the Internet Crime uh, Complaint Center for Internet crime against children. All so right. you can do that as well. Now, l- let me stop you there, because one of the first questions I'm sure people are going to have is, you call up the FBI and say, hey, you know what, um, just found some child porn on this website. They're going to say, okay, um, what do you... <laughs> the, the, the To me, the first thing I would think of is, as I'm walking through this in my mind is, I'm going to be implicated as a complainant uh, for child pornography. How do you circumvent that? How do you circumvent that? So my situation, I was on a platform called vid.me, and I was creating content there uh, at the beginning of the year. And there are many, you know, different people putting up different sorts of content. It's almost like a Facebook slash YouTube. Um, And... We were getting a lot of flack for the Pizzagate, Pedogate videos that a lot of us were putting up, and we were being censored by the platform anyway. Um, but we started to find a lot of inappropriate videos. I actually uh, reported a gentleman. I wouldn't call him a gentleman. I'm giving him too much credit. But he's a convicted pedophile. I did my sleuthing on, on this person and found out that he lives pretty close to me um, and was putting videos that were very inappropriate of young girls insinuating that he was going to meet them and he would talk to them on buses and just really inappropriate stuff. I uh, had the police go to his house. So at that point, um, you know, I was a little, I was kind of 
enraged already with this platform. Um, we weren't able to find ourselves in the search bar. So when you put your name up in the top search bar, you didn't show up. Like, I didn't show up. So one day I put in the letter A, and uh, a few of these pages came up, and the little thumbnails were of, of children, like naked children. And I almost fell out of my chair. Um, I looked at the names of the profiles. I didn't click, you know, to go on the images. They were thumbnails. And that is what I worked with, is with thumbnails. I didn't go into anybody's page to watch videos or download any of the uh, the images, but I stumbled upon child pornography without even trying to look for it. Oh. So they'll understand that. if you, You've got to be honest with them and just tell them, like, this is what happened. You know, I'm on Facebook, and someone posted this on on a page that I visit. It's, it's child pornography. You, you can report that. I wouldn't be afraid of reporting it. Be afraid if you're the one that's looking for it and doing something and making it, okay? That's the people that should be afraid. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> if your search history should, yeah, should, yeah uh, obviously. In my, in my experience, too, dealing with, um, especially dealing with county and state officials, um, they're, they're pretty, they're okay. Uh, FBI, yeah, as long as you present yourself properly like you like you just explained and I, and I think I think you'll but we have to do this but what happens when the FBI or the federal agency is part of the problem then what well that's um that's when you kind of have to start calling out these agencies and tagging them in your yeah, posts yeah. you know and and what I do when I report something uh, there's always the confirmation page like especially on the FBI the ic3.gov it has, you know, check this out before you, you send it along because then it disappears and you're, you're out of the loop at that point. You're not involved anymore. So I always take a snapshot of what I wrote to them and all the details that I provided. Um, if you can get a name of someone, that's fantastic. But usually in these situations, you don't know who they are or where they're coming from. So the, the information is limited. But uh, put in as much information as you possibly can, descriptive information about the children, what they look like, how old they are. Uh, what's going on in the picture, and then actually save what you wrote, uh, so you have it for your records. So exactly. document, document everything. Yeah, yeah document yeah, every ta- document take everything. the notes, the times, yeah, and the resources where you got them from. You cover yep. cover your own tracks, and and I mean that's one of the most important things you can do. Otherwise, as you said, just inadvertent inadvertently, or even by trying to uh, report some of these things, you could find yourself on the wrong end of a criminal prosecution. Based on uh, you know even just the but fact don't that you found it, right? Don't, don't, don't let, let that stop you because if you're, uh, I'm very serious as Melissa said. Do not let that stop you, especially if you're not. Um, but anyway, all right, Melissa, yeah, so go ahead, go ahead. After that, um, I I know this might be hard for people uh, to do. But you should call your local police station, and that, that's the extra step that I do um, because I want my local law enforcement to know what I'm doing. You know, I'm not a vigilante, you know, going out there tracking down pedophiles and trying to beat them up in the street. I want the police to know that I'm working with people that are involved in sex trafficking cases that have had their children taken away unfairly by CPS, that, 
you know, have people in their families that have created child pornography and their lives have been destroyed. I, I work with people like that. So my local police office knows what I'm doing. So when I do stumble upon something like this and I've sent a, a report to the FBI, I bring it all together and I know that I've, I've contacted the three agencies that check on each other because if you know about the, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, a lot of their uh, reports that they receive, they are just sitting there until uh, an authority comes along looking for evidence. They do, you know, for stuff that they think are, the child is in imminent danger, they will, I guess, uh, move forward with their own uh, law enforcement connections. <clears throat> but, but usually it's just sitting in a data bank at the NCMEC. So you have to report it to the FBI because then they have to call the NCMEC. So you've started a chain reaction of people trying to uh, cover this. So you want everybody to know what's going on so they can't not do anything about it. They're forced, you're forcing their hand by doing that. So report to all of those three um, immediately before you go, you know, trying to comment on their page and tell them they're a jerk for putting this stuff up. you got to report it to the authorities because that's the law. Exactly. And, and hold on a second. I, I, I do want to just say this. There is a difference between surveillance like you're doing and then reporting versus harassing and taking, not harassing, but uh, hacktivism and taking something down. Um, so so but you, you want, obviously, to first surveil, catch, and report before you do anything else. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Right. And I, I will encourage people uh, to use report tools, um, but only you know, on specific websites, because uh, if, if you watch, I don't know if you watched the uh, child advocacy, uh, like, roundtable they had with the Congress a, a few months yeah. back. They had um, John Sheehan and uh, Nancy, um, uh, Francie Hakes, uh, she's a child advocate, used to work for the government. Um, and they were talking about the issues and the obstacles that they have working in these agencies for kids. And one of the uh, officers, and I don't remember his name, um, he represented an officer that worked with the National Center. And he was saying that they're at odds uh, with these large platforms like Google um, and you know Facebook and Twitter because they have their own set of rules for reporting. Um, so once you report a, a video or an image on, you know, their platform, they like immediately take it down. Exactly. Sometimes, most of the time, but. So, and, and sometimes you get in your own way of your, you get in the way of your, your own investigation. Uh, exactly. And, and go ahead. Well, we're talking about reporting these things to authorities, uh, especially authorities in, such as the fed, federal agencies from the FBI to the DOJ. I mean, we do not know the extent that this uh, that this perversion how how far it reaches inside government. You could have half mm -hmm. of the FBI uh, involved in these kind of things. We we've already seen countless examples of sheriffs and lo and local police departments who were involved in these types of things. Franklin scandal, uh, the Franklin cover up is is one of the great examples of that, where high power politicians and police officers were taking part in the rapes of those young kids so what one thing that we need to make sure we do is not only um, you know compile the information and report it to all these different agencies you need to send those same reports out to a number of alternative media stations who are also uh, you know folks that you can rely on and trust that way the word will get out there 
if it does not come out through the, the federal agencies and or the mainstream media. Because you just don't know, uh, you know, you could get yourself into trouble um, right. for reporting it to the wrong person in, in the wrong agency because they're involved in their involvement in it. Exactly. And that's why I suggest reporting it to everybody <laughs> because yeah. then you're kind of covering your butt. Um, another part of that point where um, these, you know, platforms, they don't want uh, to have problems with uh, confidentiality, um, things that they have with their subscribers. So they're not able to give personal information over to the authorities uh, because of, you know, when you sign up for Twitter or Facebook or whatever, um, you, you, you have a, a binding agreement with this platform. A lot of people just sign up for stuff. I know that me and Doug were talking about how people just willingly uh, give their information away. They also very willingly sign up for things that they don't understand actually what they're signing up for. So when you sign up for a platform like that, um, they automatically are, they kind of take control of, of your data and, and everything that you put on the website. That's very so if you, if you report something, um, you know, they could just get rid of it. And, and how do you know if they've reported it to the National Center or not? You don't know, you know. And they're, they're obviously in Congress saying they don't give us the names of the people that have the child pornography up. They won't give us the links to those images and those videos. So there, there's a huge problem there. So I have a little bit of an issue uh, really pushing you to report on those platforms. Just report it to the law. That's really all you're supposed to do. That's all you're required to do. In this country, is reported to law enforcement. You know That's what I'm right. saying? That's right. And and you did this very well, by the way. Laid this out very well. And, and Melissa, and, and ladies and gentlemen, Melissa Zachariah, the honeybee, uh, on Twitter and on YouTube. Follow her on Twitter. Subscribe to her YouTube channel. Support Melissa. She's doing a, a phenomenal work. But you said it well. Um, you, you said uh, report reported to the uh, in uh, yeah yeah the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, the acronym there, uh, the FBI, and of course the IC3.gov, the three uh, points of of, uh, of uh, reporting, as well as insulate yourself through documentation. We're going to skip the break so you you can continue forward, Melissa. Oh, thank you. Let's you take it for wherever you want to go, however it makes sense to you. Let's just sure. go ahead and continue. Yeah, sure. So this is going to kind of segue into how, uh, you know, if you're not stumbling upon child pornography <laughs> like some of us may be, um, and you're just dealing with uh, the pedophile advocacy that is uh, popping up all over the country, um, if those of you that aren't familiar, uh, a lot of my work is against um, the pedophile advocacy groups that are trying to change legislation. They're organized and calling members to change the age of consent. They want rights for pedophilia. Uh, they want to be able to have no, you know, sentencing if they want to have a relationship or sex with a, you know, seven-year-old kid. That should be okay. Um, there are many different colors of this. You have non-contact maps, they call themselves, where they're openly admitting that they're pedophiles, but they refuse to have contact with children. But intermingled with them, you have, you know, the virtuous pedophiles um, who used to be 
pedophiles and then decided they weren't going to do that anymore. You know, and then you have the pedosexuals. So this is the name they give themselves to justify child rape, uh, to give themselves some sort of pseudo-designation of a sexual orientation, which it is not. It is a sickness. Um, so these are, these are the three types of pedophiles now that are coming together and, and organizing these groups like Heart Progress, uh, Our Love Frontier. Uh, you also have, uh, you know, more government-like agencies like NARSOL um, and the Before You Act, which is out of the Johns Hopkins University with uh, Frederick Berlin, um, where they're trying to, you know, groom the public. <laughs> Grooming is a federal offense, by the way. Groom the public to accept pedophilia as something that we need to wrap our hearts around and wrap our brains around. And they use a lot of these buzzwords like love and ageism. Age means nothing. And, um, you know, they're bringing in the Islam. Um, they're really heavy on that. They, they post Islamic pictures of, of little girls, you know, posters that say, you know, you have a little three-year-old girl and then the slogan will be, what I do with my husband in the bedroom is no one's business. I mean, they make these pictures and they put them on their website and people are just like eating it up, you know, and they're, they're, they're calling pedophiles to like get together and, and try to change laws. <laughs> so that's what I mainly am focused on right now um, is outing them on many different levels. Um, but if you want to get in on the fight, and it is a fight, folks. I'm not going to sugarcoat um, this topic. We need to fight against this. Um, there are people in the street fighting for the most ridiculous things. Um, we should be fighting even harder uh, to attack this problem. So get online. Find a network of people that are doing the same things. You don't have to go Pizzagate, okay? You, you can just look into Pedogate if Pizzagate's a little too fringe for you. Um, you don't even have to go Pedogate. You can just look up Dennis Hastert. Look up Laura Silsby. It's on the Wikipedia what they've done, what the judges have said, and what their crimes are against children. Um, this isn't like a, a fringe theory. So find that information. Get yourself familiar with what's actually going on and find like-minded people that are that are doing something about it. I have a huge network of people on Twitter, and we are daily. We are talking. We're, we're finding things out. We're sharing information publicly and privately. Uh, I've made so many connections on Twitter. I just joined it uh, this year, and I'm just, like, amazed by how fluid it is with information. Um, there's a lot of people that you can reach on these platforms, and you should be – going out there and, and trying to find people that are doing it too. That's how you learn. You know, that's how you learn to to find out what information is real and what's not real. Um, how to protect yourself if you are going to start reporting people. I, I report profiles all day long um, for putting up inappropriate content of children. Um, and they just come back the next day. I mean, these people in Heart Progress, I got them banned off of Twitter, off of Google+. Plus. Uh, off of, uh, I think we had maybe one or two YouTube videos taken down. Um, I even got their their website taken down, their official website taken down, and they're back up again. They're on WordPress. I'm, I'm fighting with WordPress right now to take them down. It's it's not an easy thing to do, 
uh, on the level that I do it. I mean, I dedicate every day, all day to this stuff, talking to people that are going through, through these problems in their personal lives as well. Um, but you at home, you know, whether you're, you know, a young person who's really savvy on the computer or you're just a, a you know, a stay-at-home mom who has some time while the kids are at school to just educate yourself on what's going on, uh, get involved in these networks of people that are trying to do something about it, and you'll you'll learn what to do. You know, I mean, I could give you a play-by-play, uh, but I really think the, the most important part of that is connecting with people that are really trying to do something, and you'll find your niche. And we've seen you connect with Craig Sawyer. Uh, we've seen you make a lot of great connections, and that's what others can do as well. Um, if you don't mind, because of the time constraints here, if we can take a couple of steps back, where are we at with uh, the the Pizza Gate, the Pedo Gate, the Anthony Weiner, the uh, and folks, we do know Carlos. the Presidio. We know we know we 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 know that the. the uh, uh, we the Franklin case. We understand all of these cases, and and I saw a comment on Twitter directed at me. Look, this is not a political or partisan thing. This is not Republican Democrat. This is this transcends politics, and it's certainly not a male or female thing. It transcends sex, gender. That that is. So, having said all that, where are we at with all of these things? In particular, Pizzagate, Pedagate, Wiener, uh, Silsby, the larger aspect of how this kind of came to the forefront initially back right right around before the election. Sure. So, well, the information is out there. We have called so much information and evidence uh, to really put some people under investigation. Uh, why it's not happening is a concern. And, you know, I'm very friendly with Titus Ross. He lives very close to me. Um, he is the one that broke into the Comet Ping Pong uh, backdoor site um, with a, a hacker that was helping him do this. Uh, and they found stuff that's inappropriate and images of, of child porn and sent it to the D.C. police. And just recently, he's he's come out and said that the hacker is willing to come out publicly and dox himself to get this out there because uh, if evidence is, is being provided good evidence um, and Titus didn't give any of the major evidence because it's a it's an investigation that we want to succeed and, that, and that's a line we, we cross you know for me as well when I find something that's really important um, if it's something that could lead to an arrest you really should report it to the authorities Um it's after the fact when nothing is done that these videos and these networks get together uh, and are like, what the heck? You know what I mean? We've known that this person has been guilty uh, for six months now. We're going on, we're going longer than that for Pizzagate. I mean, it's almost a year uh, coming up in a few months. And we're still not seeing even an investigation, even an investigation into sure. anything. You look at Ben Swan, who did that video. Okay, he did a video, very objective, just putting out the information that he saw was credible from the independent research resources that he had. And then the next day, he was ripped offline. He was censored. He was demoted in his job. Yeah, and a, and a local, and a, and a local Atlanta TV station where he was picked up to do his reality check, which was very popular. 
and you're right, he did that in a way where he did not make any accusations. He just laid the facts out and laid the arguments from both sides out uh, very objectively, and he was punished and ridiculed for it, and that is uh, very telling of, uh, you know, the subjects that you, you can't talk about. I wanted to ask you this, uh, uh, Melissa, because I see that um, in what you sent us for today about the dark web. Now, I've never been on the dark web I really don't understand how it works. I I couldn't access it if from right now if you if you told me how. Uh, I just don't understand. I've always heard that it's either uh, it's it's for criminal activity and it's like a honey trap uh, full of police officers and criminals basically. Well, it is there is a lot of them <laughs> in the dark web, but there there's a difference here. So there back in the in the 70s the the United States, uh, I believe it was Naval Intelligence, um, they created the dark web. And if to, to kind of put it into perspective for everybody, the, the Internet that we use, like the Google, you know, or the Yahoo or whatever you use for your search engine, that is like 3% of the actual Internet. That is called an indexed Internet. So it's very controlled. That's why back when Hillary was running for president and you put in, Hillary, you know, coughing or Hillary sickness, uh, what used to come up was all the videos and articles about it. They censored that. So there's a lot of control when you're dealing with this very small um, media and business-driven oh, yeah. site. This okay? is part of their agenda. And even the communist and totalitarian agenda is to rewrite history mm -hmm. after the fact. Even uh, mm -hmm. uh, things that don't seem that important, like you just said, Hillary Clinton, the, the health issues, the coughing fits that she has, that's a perfect example. Now you go back and try to find it, it's gone. But this was right. part of the Communist Manifesto and totalitarian tactics to mm -hmm. change history in order to reshape the future in the way they want them to. But the example here is the indexing of, of right. that subject. Right. So go ahead. So even still, they're actually programming you too because the results that come up is what they want you to see is important. So that's another portion of it, too. There's a definitely an underlying brainwashing going on with yeah. how they have the, the platform set up. And, now, so when you, and I'm sorry, when Melissa, you, for interrupting oh, again. Just one last point. That's why the, Google is being sued by the EU for $2.7 million due to their manipulation of the indexing. And I don't mm -hmm. know if that's no, going it's, to... It's billion or trillion. Billion. Billion, I think. Is it trillion? No, no, it's a bunch. It's billion. But yeah, it should be a billion dollars. Right. <laughs> but I wonder if that will deter them from from changing their policies or not. Uh, that that's the. But at least some action is being taken against the way that they index things. Yeah, I mean it's it's total it's total corruption, uh, you know. And these these this is all around money, and you know an agenda that they they want to instill. They have an agenda, and you know, unfortunately, we're finding it, it, it involves children and stealing children um, and trafficking them for big bucks. There's a whole industry of this above that level. But let's get back to the back, the, the dark web. Um, so, the dark web is huge. It is a, a giant ocean of, of information. Um, it has the back end of everything. So, like, if you go to your your bank website. Um, you know, you can sign in and you can just stay there. But when you go into the dark web, you are able to access way more information, um, you know, pertaining to how these websites are set up, 
back doors. There's websites that aren't even indexed, uh, and they're not even bad websites. Some websites just are put on the dark web because people want their privacy. It's not a big, bad place uh, in theory, but a lot of bad people go there and do things that they're not supposed to. There's drugs, weapons, uh, trafficking of organs, people. Uh, there's there's a lot of bad stuff on there. But the important part of the dark web is that you can maintain some sort of, of freedom. Uh, you can look for things that Google won't let you look for, news stories that have been squashed forever. Because uh, you can go to the Wayback Machine and get old articles if they were archived. I mean, on the dark web, you're, it's just open um, for you to find information. So going on the dark web, I do not recommend it. Uh, for, for everybody, you need to set up security on your computer. You need to have a VPN, uh, which masks your IP address so people can't come in. And, and there's people that have been on the dark web for 50 years. <laughs> you know, they're superior to you um, in their hacking abilities. So you have to be very careful. I would not suggest it. Um, but I would, I would fight for it because those people, those hacktivists, okay, those people that are able to find information that the government, that, you know, the bad people on the dark web, um, you know, don't want you to find, they're able to get it. We need those people on our side, you know. And if you if you take a look back, I showed you a couple articles um, back in 2011 and then very recently in 2017, Anonymous has leaked uh, pedophile rings all of their names and their information, their IP addresses and everything um, to, to shut down these rings. They're doing really amazing things. So we need the dark web. We need the, the, hack, the hacking community to work with us. You know, they're not bad people. There are bad hackers, but there's very good hackers that, are, that really want to bring this down and to expose what's really going on, you know. So read those articles. They're, they're fascinating. They're actually kind of funny because if you know anything about that, that sort of uh, community, the hacking community, even on 4chan and, you know, pull forever, you know, all the way, um, they have a sort of uh, funny way of doing things. You know, they, when they infiltrated the last uh, website, <laughs> they wrote, you've been hacked, and it's just like a funny picture, and, you know, like something you'd see in a movie. It, it's not funny that, that that's what they were having to deal with, but um, they do want to throw it in their face. You know, we have power. Expect us. We will find you. And I think that's a strong message. Uh, I, I totally agree, and, and uh, well said. And folks, you're, you'll find these links in the uh, excerpted, uh, edited uh, segment with Melissa. Now, Melissa, since Donald Trump has taken over, and since we've seen a new Department of Justice, have we seen any positive movement? Has there been a change um, since the Lynch Justice Department uh has there been any change? Uh, I've seen a lot of transparency with arrests that have been going down. Um, in the beginning, it was slow to start. I think that the first real big one that we saw um, in the United States was that L.A. Uh, sex trafficking ring, um, the 474, that included 28 children. Um, that was 
underreported, but it just set off a, a, a chain. Um, I mean, there's been, I believe, over 3,500 arrests uh, since Trump has taken office in the last um, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, six months. Um, so that, to me, is is very credible evidence that somebody up there is actually taking this seriously. Um, they did release the uh, trafficking um, in in trafficking in persons report. Um, this is a report that is filed every year, but uh, there was something about the way they presented it this year. I think more people were interested into knowing what it was uh, and what was inside of it. Um, it was in the news, so that that's a big thing. It's not usually widely reported that that report comes out. People w- want to know now. People are interested because there's people putting themselves out there on their larger platforms and spreading the news. Um, and I think that even Trump saying uh, multiple times, you know, we gotta we gotta get the pedophiles. We gotta we gotta bring them down. They're snatching the kids. You know, sex trafficking is a huge problem. Um, You have, uh, remind me of his name, Scalise, uh, Scalise, right? Scalise, representative, yes. Just talking about child trafficking a week before, and then he gets shot down in in the middle of a baseball game. Um, There are people in high places that are trying to to talk about this. Um, They're getting thwarted, though. And if you notice, there's like, a world against Trump right now, um, just trying to, to thwart him at every every angle. I mean, yeah. I, I looked at the, the news reporting and the tone of how news centers are reporting on on Trump, and it's like 90-10, you know, 90 being negative and 10% being positive light. I think Fox was somewhere in the middle, um, but it's just, it's so apparent to me that Somebody doesn't want this to be common knowledge, you know, and I, I think that Trump is pushing for this. I think there are more more people in the government that are good than bad, and I think they know that there's bad people in the government, and I think maybe wheels are turning, and they're going to they're gonna start turning on each other, I hope. Yeah. You know, something gives. We hope, too. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're absolutely correct in this. Now, um, d- d- the Vatican. We just saw this uh, interesting Vatican news. What's your take on that? Yeah, the sex scandal that rocked the uh, highest levels of the Vatican. Yeah, I mean, that is just... You know, just in May, uh, the the advisor to the... um, I believe it was the Sex Abuse Advisory Board for the Vatican, um, a woman, uh, Mary Collins... Um, she had been dealing with the victims of this that were in the clergy specifically. Um, she had come out and and she quit and made it very public that she quit because there were 2,000-plus backlogged cases of child sexual abuse in the Vatican that were not being addressed. And when she quit, the Pope actually admitted it and said, you know, she's right. You know, there are 2,000 cases of, of child sexual abuse that are not being addressed because we're understaffed. Sorry about that. Um, I mean, this is this is a huge problem, especially for me personally and my soul because I'm a Christian 
and I'm I'm seeing the Vatican just it, it, like burning into a hellfire. Um, and then just this week, you know, we see that the the advisor to the the highest secretary of the Pope uh, is having uh, sex orgies and drugs. Uh, parties at their house, you know, and, and getting busted by the police. This is a huge issue that needs to be known. Um, this is the Pope of our church. <laughs> yeah. And his advisors are having orgies and, and drug parties. Um, what does that tell you about what's really going on behind the highest of the highest, folks? There is corruption at the highest level. And there's a lot going on in between, but for it to have gotten to this point, um, it's bad. It's really, really bad. Yeah, it, it is. And, and, uh, especially when the when the Pope's concern is more about you know the president's decision to pull out of the the climate accord and calling those who believe in in man-made global warming as a hoax. Uh, you know, that they are, are basically, they're condemned to hell and, and they're not followers of Jesus and, uh, on and on it goes. And actually, Pope Francis is, uh, he, I read yesterday that he had, uh, protected a number of these, uh, individuals, uh, knowing that they were committing these, these kinds of crimes and then mm-hmm. made a plea yesterday to the public to go easy on these people. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, it's mind boggling. Um, and, and it's not just in the, you know, as we talk about in the political spheres of American politics, whether Democrat or Republican or elected officials, it's not just in the banking, uh, sector. It's not just in the sex trafficking from the cartels to other criminal organizations. It's in the top religion institutions in the world from Islam to, the, to Catholicism. And it's almost accepted. Yeah. This is what we're up against. Well, Lisa, explain NAPALM to us. Sure. So NAPALM stands for Nations Against Pedophile Advocated Legislation and Mobilization. And it is my personal, like, call out to action um, for others to start doing something. Um, We, as a people... Uh, need to start protecting our children in any way that we can. Um, you know, the police, the FBI, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, you know, I, I have a feeling that there are a lot of people in those agencies that are good-hearted, that want to help, but like we've, we've seen, there is corruption in those agencies, and that's just the way it is. So instead of feeling helpless and not able to do anything, I want to provide a platform for people to be able to learn how to deal with this, um, have a place to come and talk to me about it. I mean, I'm very open to to speaking with people that are dealing with cases. Um, But it's also uh, about coming together as a team and, and starting a movement to actually do something, whether it's make a video harassed a pedophile online. And yes, I harass them online. I will argue with them until I'm blue in the face. And I, I say it over and over again. Children cannot consent. Over and over. It's a trigger for them. They hate hearing it because it's true. And it's the only thing they have against them. And that's what that's what we should do. We should give them hell. Yeah. Because that's what they, they want to they want to 
<laughs> they want to hurt kids, and they're trying to justify their actions as being a loving, tender yeah. kind of affection, but it's really not. It's it's a tool to manipulate uh, children into getting what they want from the children. It has nothing to do with love. It is a manipulation tactic, yep. um, and they're brazen about it. They're very brazen about it online, and everybody needs to start doing their part. Make a video. Stalk them online. Comment on every single comment they make or every video that they make or any platform they go on. Get on their nerves. Bring your friends. Tell your parents. Tell your your grandparents to get involved. I mean, this is for kids. And if you're not standing up for kids, you don't stand for anything. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. This is the most important thing that our country is dealing with besides everything else that's going on. It, it supersedes everything because these kids future. And if we let this slide, we have lost the battle. We will lose that's everything. Right. We've lost enough freedoms already. Don't let go of your kids. Well, you know, we, as you said, we've lost enough battles already. And apparently with the people, uh, you know, even the, the spiritual forces of darkness that protect the, the humans on earth who commit mm-hmm. these atrocities will only be protected so much on this earth. But when it comes to Judgment Day, they'll have no excuse and there will be nobody there to protect them. So at least we have that, uh, you know, as something to fall back on. I kind of want to ask you a question, Elisa, a little bit not off topic, but in a different realm uh, or different area. There's been a phenomenon recently where we see uh, middle-aged school teachers, uh, what they are calling having sex romps or raping little kids. The latest one was out of Florida where... Uh, a, a teacher got pregnant by an 11 year old boy. I'm seeing mm-hmm. stories like this two, three times a week. Uh, it, is this related somehow, or is this is this just the mindset, the the way the world is moving into this mindset of uh, this, uh, you know, sexual deviancy? It's it's definitely uh, a mindset, and it, it's a it's an agenda that's been proposed to be put out on the masses. I'm telling you. It's not just Hollywood and cartoons that are very sexualized, sexualizing children, not just the music that is sexualizing children. I mean, you have children watching Katy Perry, um, and these videos are highly sexualized with child images uh, going along with it, you know, cartoons and things, singing with her while she's talking about, you know, going and, and having sex with someone on a Friday night, getting drunk. Um, this kind of programming... Um, is probably the the worst culprit because then it kind of desensitizes the children because they think that this sexualization is normal. And that, it puts, you know, it takes down that barrier of oh, maybe I should think twice about this, you know. <clears throat> my, my, you know, second grade teacher wants me to hang out with her after class, you know what I mean? It's like the cool teacher, you know, that I saw in this video or whatever. There, there's definitely a brainwashing process going on with the media. But then you got to look at, you've got to look at the government officials and the police and military officials and, and the corporate people and the lobbyists and, you know, the mayors and, you know, the football coaches and stuff that, they got they got caught, but really, what, what did they serve? What did Dennis Hastert serve? Fifteen months. Yeah. What is, and the, compared to what Wiener, who 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 just yeah, texted the sex with somebody twenty seven months? months. Yeah, that's what the prosecution is calling for. Right. 27. Exactly. Twenty. Yeah. Okay, and 
you know, Lars Tillsby who gets busted not once but twice for trafficking children out of out of Haiti. Uh, now she's working for Amber Alert. So you have this desensitization process going on where it's like, okay, what the hell do I do now? Everyone's, you know, a pedophile and they're there to be one. Okay, nothing's happening. This is empowering pedophiles to go out and do it. Okay? Yeah. And I don't, there aren't good statistics revolving around this particular topic, <clears throat> just like there isn't with the child sex trafficking. <laughs> Their statistics are like, oh, 50 to 90% of children in foster care, you know, put in sex trafficking situations. That's not a very good percentage, uh, you know, an accurate percentage. So that's kind of where this whole pedophile thing is coming in on. Why do people become pedophiles? You could say it's because they're molested as a child or raped as a child. That's, That's not always the case. That's not always the case. You could say, uh, you know, they are. That's their sexual orientation. I do not believe that. <laughs> that is just the justification for for pedophiles to have a, a leg to stand on. Yeah, justifying um, you perversion. Could, you know, I really think it is. Years and years of programming by our government, by our media, by Hollywood to over-sexualize the minds of children um, and imprint on them things that are obscene and not and not normal. And you know what I mean? It's it's like for example the Canadian you know youth drag queen movement that is going on right now. I mean I saw another one on Twitter. It was on my Twitter feed for like news for the day, another four-year-old kid whose mom dressed him up as a drag queen and paraded him all over Twitter. And it made like the top news. I'm like, what is going on here? And you have that other young boy who whose parents are bringing him to nightclubs to per- perform burlesque shows. He's eight years old in drag. And he says, if your parents won't let you be a drag queen, you need new parents. Or child services. You need child services to take you away from whoever is pushing that agenda on you because that is a sexualized... I mean, think about it. This kid is dressed up as a woman. Okay, maybe if it was like a short set with like pink shoes and like a yellow top with a bow, fine. Like whatever. You want to dress up like a girl, fine. But literally, the sexual clothing, the makeup, the whorish makeup, it's... It's so sexual. And then to take it the next level and bring them to a nightclub where adults are hollering and hooting and clapping for this little boy dancing sexually. I mean, it's, yeah. it blows my mind that this is what our culture is accepting right now. People should be in the streets. And in movies exactly and, and right. TV, like uh, Nickelodeon, uh, you know, I hear jokes all the time about, uh, you know, sex offenders and, and how they like to sit around and watch Nickelodeon all, all day. Because of how they make the the young children, uh, you know, wear clothes that adults would wear to sexualize them, and mm-hmm. that does nothing but but lead to the problem. And yeah, it's, right. it's absolutely disgusting. Melissa, we well, are out we are, of time. Yeah, we are out of time indeed. I was just going to say that you got one minute. You got the floor. Close. Okay. Up. Well, like I said, folks, you know, get out there and and connect. That that's how you're going to be able to do something. Um, find like-minded people. If you if you really are at a loss, find me on Twitter. Uh, you go to twitter.com and I'm uh, 
the honeybee underscore, and that's who I am there. You can find me on YouTube really easily. Uh, just put in honeybee pedogate. You'll find a ton of my videos. Um, and also, I do this full time now. I do have my own company, but I really am not working doing that as much anymore. I do a little bartending on the side, um, but I really do dedicate a lot of my time to this, and I don't really usually ask for money on my videos. Um, I'm a little, you know, I'm a little weird about it still. I'm sure as time goes on, I'll be a little more comfortable asking, but I do have a Patreon account that I set up. Uh, it's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the honeybee. And if you want to donate a buck, uh, I'll get a buck from you every month and that will help me be able to do this full time because it is a full time job and it's, it's definitely an important job that we all should be doing. So hopefully I'll see you a lot um, on Twitter. You guys find me. Okay. We want to thank you for what you do, folks. This uh, the, the honeybee, the real deal. She's an excellent investigative journalist, and uh, we know her. Uh, we and, and I'm a fan of your work. We will follow you. We urge everyone to support you. Please come back and, and let us know how things are progressing with the various cases you're working. You got it. I'll be there. All right. That'll do it for us tonight, folks. Until tomorrow, stay safe. God bless. Have a great evening. We'll-